Joseph Pollock, man. Welcome to the Hell Fucking Yeah podcast, man. What's up? Uh, what's up, man? Film and TV actor, musician, uh, and all around and and all around rad dude. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So yeah, man. Where are you living now? I'm in Louisiana still. Louisiana, nice, nice. Uh, how old are you? I'm 33. 33. All right. Yeah. So how's life Great. going, man? That's going pretty good, you know. Uh, I'm 33, but I'm getting pegged for 17-year-old characters. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right, man. Whatever works. Whatever yeah, works. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so when did you know you wanted to start acting? Oh, from a really young age. and I never thought I would, but uh, when I was really, really young, I could remember all the lines to, like, The Lion King and stuff like that, and I had yeah. it stuck in my head all the time, all those songs. And uh, one day I got an audition to play uh, Dennis the Menace in the remake but uh whenever i left the birthday my mom took the audition information she threw it out the window and i was like what was that she's like oh your uh, your aunt's senile they made this tv show a long time ago and she thinks they're auditioning for oh, it yeah. so a year later they made the reboot and uh and i was just like blown away i was like oh my god this could have been real so like oh man early age i always you know, thought about it well, you're the uh, the first actor I've ever actually had on the show. Um, first cool. of many, hopefully. You know, I'm really into. I love. I fucking love film, the medium, the whole art of acting and everything. And I couldn't ask for a cooler uh, first actor, man. This is really cool. Um, up, so I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Of course. Uh, so your first credited role uh, was American Horror Story Freak Show, right? Technically, it wasn't credited. Uh, somebody, a fan of mine knew I was on that show and mm. they put the credits on IMDb and okay. I've been spending years trying to get them off of IMDb because uh, I only show up in American Horror Story Freak Show on the second to last episode but okay. I spent seven months on that uh, on that set and we did so many amazing scenes uh, I became good friends with Evan Peters while I was there yeah and all the stuff we did got cut so I was I've been trying to get that off my IMDb but <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man well I, that sucks i hope they uh you know they recut it or something one day like a director's cut or something <laughs> yeah maybe that'd be cool um evan peters right yes um did you become you became kind of close with him during the shooting of that right um as close as you could get with a co-worker i guess you know like yeah. uh yeah i didn't go to his birthday parties or anything but uh we all went to rap parties together and uh we had this conversation one night about acting and I, I told him I said I'd never seen an actor that you know I've been familiar with like you so close at that time right and I was like and, uh, it really made me realize the work that goes into each role and the performance and I don't know why seeing you guys do that because I didn't even know who Finn Whitrock was at the time but I was mm -hmm. watching them two act all night I was like I don't know why seeing you guys do it made me want to do it even more and he was like right. oh man he's like that's what I like to hear he's like you could do it man He's like, uh, he's like, if you want to be an actor, you can do it. I could, I could, I could tell you to do it. And I was like, really? What, what do I have to do first? He's like, get an agent, get some headshots, you know, just get your feet wet. Man. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know, just had a little bit of inspiration, that little bit of somebody, you know, I'm inspired by telling me I could do it. That's all Absolutely. I need. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, he's, uh, he's um, amazing, man, on that show, uh, on all the seasons, really. Um, um, yeah, Freak Show is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Twisty was so scary, man. Um, Finn Whitrock, you just mentioned his name. Yeah. He was oh, yeah, he was terrifying, man, on that episode, on that season. He was, he was. Like seriously, yeah. Um, on a side note, man, 
Evan Peters would make such a good if they ever did a Clockwork Orange remake, he would make such a good fucking Alex. Yes, I believe that. Yes. 100%. I don't know if I don't know if they actually should do that, but if they did, that would be the way they, to go. They made a Clockwork Orange for our generation, I guess. Like it would still be in that futuristic timeline, but if it was right. made for our generation, it probably would speak about even more serious, you know, tones. I yeah, guess. yeah, they would have to change it up absolutely as far as like the uh, you know time frame. But yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. But it could also be horrible. So let's not <laughs> let's not put that up there. <laughs> um, so before that, you wrote and directed multiple no budget full length features and shorts. Um, yes. You want to give us a little background on those, and can we see them anywhere? Um, the first film I ever put together, the first full length, is on YouTube. It's called Immurement, I-M-M-U-R-E-M-E-N-T, and it's pretty terrible, but it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's a no yeah. budget, like you said, no budget slasher. That's kind of what we did. It was like our forte, right. and uh, we didn't have any like mindset of this becoming you know really big or well known. We just you know we did it for fun, just to get our feet wet, just sure. to understand the industry a little bit more. And uh, after I did American Horror Story, I really loved, you know, from high school up until now, I've always loved making little indie films with friends. Sure. So I thought a lot of these people, you know, they, they get their, their foot in the door, they get in the industry, they get their face on something. And all of a sudden they think that like their worth changes that, you know, oh, I can't do anything indie. I can't do anything, no budget. You know? right. If you're SAG, yeah, you can't act in anything, you know, no budget. Right. But I feel like if you if you stop creating stuff on your own, like for yourself, not for the world to see, but just stuff for your, you know, yourself and your friends. If you stop doing that, then you stop learning. So yeah. we kept, we kept making no budget films and we kept learning more and more about the industry, about, you know, what kind of people you could end up employing on your set that tell you they want to work really hard. And then two days into the job, they quit, you know, right. And you, you have to take over doing makeup and, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a makeup artist. So it's like I learned a lot doing no budget films and I love it so much that I, I think that even if, you know, I do become something that people recognize in film, I'm still going to make no budget slashers or at least, you know, low budget slashers if I have to go sag. Yeah, that's great, man. I really, that's really cool. Um, do you think that you would work in like a trauma film or something like that? You know, are you familiar with trauma? Yeah. Absolutely. I love I mean, that's, that's uh, kind of like yeah. the uh what you're going for there. So I, I looked up a couple of titles. You have a mirament and stiff was like a short film oh, yeah, you guys yeah. made. So yeah. I'm we assuming audience in forty eight hour film festival. Get out of here. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're horror. You said slasher for the first one. Yeah. Stiff um, isn't much of a horror, but it's definitely a thriller. Yeah. So you're a big horror fan? Oh huge, huge horror huge. fan. It's awesome. what got me into an American horror story. Yeah, I was such a big fan of horror already, and then that was my mom's favorite TV show, so she made me right. watch it one day, and I was like, "Wow, the show's actually really well thought out, and it's crazy how every season you know was changing stories." I, know. I yeah. love that. I love the and whole anthology like, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it. And like, because you get you get used to the actors, and the show isn't really about the story; it's about the actors and the team, the producer Ryan, and it's like they all make this together. You see a show oh, what show are they going to put on next year? You know, and that's right. what I loved about it. Right. But uh, yeah, I'm a big horror fan. Uh, from eight years old, my dad let me watch Scream. 
So, uh, yeah, I had a big crush on Drew Barrymore at the time. Oh, yeah. And seeing <laughs> Drew Barrymore getting gutted and hanging from a tree, yeah. it really it desensitized me, to say, in a say. Yeah. But, like, uh, at the same time, for a good reason, because it made me not scared of anything. It made me realize that it's all acting, you know. And then I, when I get on set with, like, stuff like American Horror Story, uh, Michael Goy and the rest of the crew are sitting here thinking about how this character's head's going to explode. And on camera, everyone's like, you know, or on, on uh, the actual show, people are like terrified, oh, scared. But here on set, we're all standing around this like animatronic, you know, it's going to explode. Right. And when it does, everyone on set's like, oh, oh, and they all get chills, they all get grossed out. Yeah. And it, it makes you realize these people that are making the scariest thing on TV are just like us. They're all right. scared and creeped out by it too. If they right. weren't, they're not doing a good job. Right, right. Yeah, if you're, you know, uh, Right, exactly. If you're not doing, if you're not freaking yourself out, you're not going to freak anybody else out. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know, yeah. that's, that's really cool. Um, so you started off as a musician. Um, you have a band called Henry V, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. yes. Uh, are you still making music? I know you're not touring right now because of everything that's going on, but are you planning on touring again? I was actually invited by Riff Raff. No. Yeah. Extraordinary. Uh, he wanted me to be his guitarist on tour. Wow. And March 15th, I was headed up to Illinois to go to the first date. I mean, it was March 17th was the first date. I was going to go to the first day of his tour. And if it went well, I was going to be on tour with, with wow. Riff Raff. You know? Wow. Yeah, so I was really excited about that. And then I'm driving up to Illinois. March 15th, I got a phone call from a friend. And they're like, yeah, Riff Raff canceled his tour. Yeah, March 15th <laughs> sounds about right as far as like, oh, we're all fucked. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sucks, man. That sucks. So is it, you know, if it's going to happen again or? He's doing some like small venues with like, you know, minimum capacity live streamed. And now Facebook is saying that if you're a musician that's live streaming at any venues, you can have your Facebook account deleted, which is really screwed up. I get it. They don't want us really? to influence other people to have big shows that aren't you know, COVID procedurally, you know, mm -hmm. taken care of. And I get that. I get that because there's a lot of procedures we have to go through now. Everyone's got to get the temperature checked five times a day. Everyone, you know, it's, it's a weird yeah. world we live in. But it's even harder for these actors because the people on set, the crew, you know, all the, even on stage, the crews, you know, they just got to wear a mask and get the temperature checked. But an actor, because we don't wear masks in the scenes, they want us to get tested, COVID tested, and then they want us to, to, even if we don't have COVID, we have to quarantine for two weeks. Like I just get booked for a lead role in a feature film that I'm doing in Connecticut. And I have to quarantine for two effing weeks while I'm sitting in Connecticut. I don't know anybody in Connecticut. I'm going to be bored as shit for two weeks, but it's like, it's COVID procedures. And it's like the weirdest, like to me, I don't want to be one of those like analytical type or, or workaholic type people, but I love creating. I love either yeah. writing music or creating or writing scripts. I'm writing two scripts right now for somebody. And it's just, you know, when you have two weeks of quarantine where you can't see anybody face to face, you can't go out and do anything, you know, and you still have to deliver your food to you, yourself, you know, so we still right. have to get food delivered to us. And then we have to think, what are the people doing when they prepare our food? I doubt they're all being, right. you know, purely safe yeah. with the COVID procedures. So right. it's like, it makes no sense to me. I'm just going to say this. Like, why, why are we banking our existence on testing people to see if they're positive or negative for something they could get tomorrow after they take the test? The test results right. don't come in for a week. So right. by the time the test results come in, they could be dying of COVID and their test results say that they're negative. Right. And it's, oh, I, I agree with that 100%. It's, um, 
Yeah, exactly. It could, it could happen two weeks from now where you actually, you could, you would have it right now, but you won't test positive for it. Right. Exactly. So you can just be yeah. sitting around fucking spreading it all over the place. And you know, two weeks later, yeah. Oh shit, I have it. But how many people have you affected beforehand? You know, it's, it's, exactly. it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I think we've all, to be honest, I think we've all come in contact with it. I think, I think so. I, mean, I think so. We go to Walmart, we go to, you know, we have to get our, yeah. our cars worked on. We, right. There's no, we do like it's like SARS it's like any other disease we didn't right. get Ebola our arms aren't falling off <laughs> like so right. I feel like, you know it's, it's as bad as it is to say it like yes diseases will kill sick people they always have diseases are common so like if you run into somebody with a disease you may catch it that's it's always been that right. way but as long as you're safe so yeah if we're being safe we're wearing masks we're social distancing it can only make it better for us it can only make our health better in the long run sure. but that should kind of be the plateau where we end, you know, like, like right. you can't be too safe, but you also can't be too paranoid. Like if, if I thought, Oh, I might catch pneumonia period. Like before COVID, I could yeah. catch pneumonia from anyone or from, you know, any situation right. and I wouldn't go outside ever. But I think that's kind of the risk of living is that, yeah, you could catch a disease and die, or right. you could believe in your human ability to fight anything that comes your way and just be like, oh, yeah, bring that disease on. <laughs> right. Bring it on. Let me, exactly. let me beat it now so I'm stronger tomorrow. And that's very important, too, like risk. I mean, I could avoid COVID for the next three years, but I can get in my car and get into an accident. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. And then, and then waste the rest of your life just because right. of paranoid COVID. Right. It, it upsets me. It really does. I mean, my grandfather has had pneumonia three years in a row. This is the first year he hasn't had pneumonia. Wow. So, yeah, it goes to show, like, my dad works at a casino, so he's around 300 people a day. Right. And he said most of them don't even wear the masks at the table. Wow. They take the mask off to cough and sneeze because they yeah. want to get it in the mask. So it's like none of it makes any sense to me. Right. It doesn't really make sense. And I'm, I'm not a freak about it. You know, I'm precautious, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and I respect other people when I go out. I throw my mask on, whatever. Um, exactly. But yeah. at what point are we going to um, sanitize ourselves so much that when something actually does come along, like the common head cold is gonna fucking kill us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know no, that's very true. Yeah, we're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to be immune to things by, you know, interacting with it. You know? Exactly. Like I said, the cold used to kill people. People yeah. forget about that. The cold used to kill so many people, and now it's like we don't even we don't even fret. We don't even take medicine when the cold hits us. Yeah, I can't help but think you know conspiracy theory a little bit, but. Can't help but think it's population control in some way. Oh, dude, absolutely. I absolutely no. think it could be population <laughs> population control. And it could at the same time just be a way for us to get used to them changing laws or forcing us to believe anything they want us to believe. They're just testing us, you know. Oh, we can say aliens exist yeah. and they all believe that. Oh, we can say this. Right. And now they just, they're probably, you know, back in the lab cooking up the next conspiracy that they right, can right. control the election with. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, because if people really open their eyes in 2016, whenever the Trump election happened, mm-hmm. there was the Ebola breakout. In 2012, uh, there was uh, swine. Yeah, it was swine. And it was yep. another one. And there's always, always been a disease that they mm-hmm. try to scare you to stay home and stay away from the polls. Yep. Like, so it just seems a little too ironic that it came, you know, this year of all years. Yeah. Now I'm waiting for the uh, aliens are coming and we're all going to have fucking like tinfoil hats on. Oh, and dude. It's going to be required. You're going to have to wear them. They already believe it. They are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The requirement. Yeah. It's yeah. 
Yeah. Are you wearing your COVID mask? Are you tinfoil hat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all going to look insane. Not that we don't already. You're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the tinfoil hat's really just to keep us away from the 5G. <laughs> 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 the 5G signals everyone's freaked out about. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, man, you have so Do you do a lot of conspiracy on here? What's up? No. I got to say, actually, this is my first you know? conspiracy okay, cool. conversation. Um, first, first of everything Thanks. today, man. First actor, first conspiracy theory. Great. <laughs> so, man, you have a, an impressive filmography. Um, Thank you. Including Daddy's Home, Will Ferrell, Mark yeah. Wahlberg, uh, Vice Principals, the Danny McBride show on HBO. That was so much fun. Which well, one of my, I love fucking Danny McBride. Any, anything he makes, yeah. I'll watch. I, I swear, the guy can like eat breakfast and I'll watch it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's literally my number one favorite actor. Yeah, he's fucking awesome, man. Uh, more recently, the Purge TV series, uh, Queen yeah. and Slim, um, yeah. Project Power on Netflix, and Greyhound with Tom, with Tom Hanks. Fucking wow, man. Funny thing is, I've seen pretty much everything you're in, so I'm just a huge fan by default. That's <laughs> that's so cool, man. That so cool. Um, I actually have a few on my list that I haven't seen that I'm definitely going to watch. Uh, okay. Eat Brains, Love, and Family. Yes. So I can't wait to check Family's those out. Awesome. Family is one of the, I think it's one of the most important films that I got to do at this point because mm. it talks so much about inclusiveness, but it also talks about like how we only include certain people in that inclusiveness, you know, jar. Like we don't right. include people that we don't want in there. You know, we don't include juggalos. We don't include, you know, people who might be just a little awkward. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, be inclusive as long as you're hot and cool and famous. Right. You know, but they don't. So I love family. I love that movie. It's, so such it's got a, a cool social commentary behind it. And, oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, Kate McKinnon's in it. And I hate to do this, but I forgot her name. She was on Orange is the New Black. Taylor Schilling. Yes. Taylor Schilling. Yeah. She's amazing. Exactly. So I really want to see that. Um, so actually, let's start with uh, Project Power. For everyone listening, okay. if you haven't seen it, Project Power is a film on Netflix starring Jamie Foxx, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, it's about, well, it's a sci-fi action movie, I would say, uh, about a pill that gives you superpowers for like five minutes. And, yep. uh, you know, of course, it winds up in the wrong hands, you know, in like a, um, you know, supervillain kind of way. Um, yeah. So directed by Ariel Shulman and Henry Juice, the guys behind Catfish. Yeah. Um, so you play a stoner in the movie named Indo. Yeah, guilty. Yeah. Uh, I get typecasted that, uh, for that kind of character because of my Filipino eyes, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let, let me tell you, man, you did a great job. You fucking, Thank you. Uh, very funny in this. Um, definitely comic yeah. relief, you know, part of it. Um, yeah. So you played, you played that character very naturally. Uh, would you say you're the class clown in real life? Funny? No. Uh, no. In high school, I was so quiet that uh, some of the people I met recently that knew me in high school were like, how? How are you an actor? You didn't say a word in school. <laughs> they were like, they were so quiet. Yeah. I was like, well, it wasn't, it wasn't by default. I wanted to talk. I was just shy. And every time I went out for things like uh, drama or, you know, sports, I didn't get picked. Right. So it was like, I didn't get a choice. You know, I was kind of like on the sidelines waiting for that moment <laughs> to yeah. be able to, to, to just express myself. Right. Uh, you played a similar character too in Vice Principals, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Like, uh, 
kind of stoner. Yeah, actually, in Vice Principal, I think my character's title was Weed Smoking Team. Yeah. <laughs> that was my, and uh, so I was, I was under, uh, what was it? Uh, I forgot the name of the high school. I feel so bad. I don't remember the name of the high school, but we were at an actual high school and we were under the bleachers at the football field for the scene. Yeah. And uh, they, they gave me an awesome audition. I got the audition. I drove out to South Carolina. They put me in a hotel. HBO, thank you, because that was awesome. They took yeah. such good care of me. Um, but I'm sitting there on set, and they didn't give us sides. They gave us sides, but we aren't in them. So I was like, wait, but we auditioned with improv in line, so am I supposed to improv? And the director came up, uh, Jody, and he came up, and he was like, hey, you guys are still going to improv, so just come up with something. I'm glad you're here. See you guys tonight. He left and we had like six hours me and my my scene partner just six hours sitting there throwing ideas back and forth and we finally landed on one where uh in the dialogue if you watch that episode it's episode seven of season one and uh if you if you watch the dialogue or uh, no excuse me episode four I'm, I'm mixing it with purge episode four of season one if you watch the listen to the dialogue uh there's a point where danny mcbride takes a permanent marker and writes belinda sucks cox on a bench and he's like he's like yeah that's what i can get behind let's let's tag up this school and they're like no nah, it's not a good idea so originally whenever danny mcbride and walton goggins walk underneath the the bleachers they run into us and me and this dude pass him the joint and he looks at me and he's like man i hate this school or something like that and i'm like did you hear the belinda stucks cox <laughs> like, mentioning that that scene yeah. And like Amy McBride, Walton Goggins, Jody had no idea what we were going to say. They had no idea what was in that scene. Like, and, right. But, you know, they know their script, though. So whenever I spit that out, I was like, did you know Miss Belinda Sucks Cox? <laughs> they all laughed so hard, they ruined the take. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, and David McBride laughed. And I was like, yes, gold. Life yeah, life. really, man, yeah. David McBride laughed. <laughs> and he walks up to me, and he's like, hey, that was pretty good, man. I'm Danny. And he, like, introduced himself to me, and I was like, oh, really? I didn't know who you were. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was yeah it was epic did you uh have you seen the new one righteous gemstones i have oh that's a good friend of mine man. james dumont is one of the stars of that and yeah. he kills it man he does so good in that show yeah that uh, that show's great man i can't wait for that to come back yeah HBO, hbo's love... been killing it lately speaking of hbo i don't know and and you know horror um lovecraft country have you oh, seen man. yeah shout out to kyle porsche for that Oh my God! Wow, Lovecraft Country so good. Uh, wow. Tyler Porsche, if you watched the last episode, he played the he's like a jock kind of dude with a nice car, and he got like I don't want to spoil it, but he no, no. didn't end well. It didn't end well. Oh for him. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah man. Nice that was nice. that was some episode. That last one. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> that high yeah. heel scene was something else. <laughs> Way to go, stick. Yeah. Um, so. Working with, did you get to work with Jamie Foxx and J jo Joseph Gordon-Levitt at all on the set? I did work with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, for those of you who saw the movie, everything that was shot, it was like, you know, it was there. It was all live. Yeah. Um, we had two other scenes. This is, okay, warning to anybody who wants to be an actor in the future. I'm going to go ahead and you know, do this for you right now and bust that bubble. You will get cut out. Your first few things will get cut completely out. Like I said, that vice principal right. episode, they actually cut out the lines that we had and it wasn't, you know, it was no dialogue, but it was all edited to music and it worked so well. I was like, it makes sense, you know? Right. And, but you have to be okay with it because you have to realize they're right. making art and you want it to stand and last throughout the ages. Right. So that people 20 years from now can still watch it. 
Exactly. Yeah. You cannot take it personally. You can't marry yourself to any part. Even if you have a lead role in a film, it could get cut down very, very small. Um, the One of the lead actors of uh, Never Ending Story 2, mm-hmm. the, the main actor that replaced the first film actor, <clears throat> he, you might recognize him from like a lot of Disney stuff. He was a great actor, and then we never saw him again. Well, sadly, rest in peace, he killed himself because he did a film with Bruce Willis, and he, he had a lead role in it. And he got completely cut out of the film. So when that happened, it, it hurt him so bad. He was like, this is my acting career. Why am I not getting these shots? Why am I not getting there? And I've learned from his story and from many other stories, like Finn from Glee, many, many people have gone down a path where they're waiting and expecting something. And when that thing doesn't happen, they feel like they failed everyone. Right. They feel like, oh, you know, people want to be proud of me. and They want to be inspired by me. But if I'm not happy with what I'm doing, how can I inspire other people to be unhappy when they get there and i've learned that and now i think i'm happy with anything i get even if it gets cut because it's not you you don't want to tell yourself oh i'm doing this just because i want facetime i want recognition i want that you're doing it because you want the experience you want to become a better actor you want to be able to say oh i acted with these people so i must be accredited i must be decent enough to get another role and then you just keep moving towards the next goal you know yeah so daddy's home uh, Vice Principals, Hot Pursuit, mm-hmm. uh, so many films that I did in TV shows, my lines got cut. And right. I just looked like I was just an overglorified extra. And it's like, you know, when you go home, your friend's are like, oh, I think I saw you in that. And that even hurts worse. But you still push forward because you know that you're not going to get cut out from everything. And eventually it's going to work out. And that's how it is. So I get these bigger roles and it's like, you know, 50 minutes of screen time and it gets cut down to like 10 minutes. And that's how it works in this industry. It's like you get these right. these bigger roles and they'll get cut down to something small. But it, but if you do a great job and you make sure that every time you're on camera or in a scene, you try to do something that, you know, they can't throw away. You try to give yeah. them something they can't throw away. Then you'll end up at least not, you know, you'll make the cut. So with, with uh, Project Power, me, CJ, CJ LeBlanc, he plays uh, Jamie Foxx's son in Just Mercy. Me, him, and CG, we are the trio of, we're, we're pretty much like, a, we're supposed to intro the film. So in the original script, I was the first person you see in the movie. I roll up on a bike to CJ. He just got his nose pierced. They don't even talk about that in the movie. He just got his nose pierced. And CG walks up eating. And all three of us are like the three stooges. We open up the film. And then we see someone running a roller coaster barefoot. So we're like, oh, man, we need to get that. So when we go into the, the abandoned theme park, we run into this guy. I forgot, I'm, his name's like the Vape Master or something on Instagram. <laughs> He's got like 3 million followers, and he does vape tricks where he blows out right, like right. smoke. Everyone knows this guy. He blows out like a jellyfish. Everyone knows this guy. They yeah. flew him in from California for this one scene. He got cut from the phone completely. Right. He's supposed to blow out a, a cloud of smoke that looks like a bird. And it flies by us, and we're like, oh, we blow the smoke off. And he's like, you have to find the bird. And then they go walking towards the bird, and CG starts yelling, bird! He plays uh, Tommy in the movie. He's the guy that is, ends up punching uh, Dominique. But he's like, bird! And I'm like, pissed off, because I don't want to be there. From the very first part of the movie, I'm like, damn it. Like, I'm getting drug on this, you know, wild goose chase through a bunch of, like, drug addicts. Like, it's scary. Right. So, like, the next scene was the scene where Robin is rapping, and you hear uh, CG going, bird! And I'm like, shut up, there's no bird, man. Hmm. So it all played into that and that's why whenever you see uh cj's character walk up behind her and he's like you could just give it to us 
the audience originally was going to know that CJ was missing, uh, his character Migs. They were going to know he was missing. Where's Migs? Where's Migs? You know, so he was going to sneak up behind her. And then when she grabs up and grabs his nose, she's actually yanking out his nose ring. And that's why he's screaming. That's why there's blood everywhere. But I guess the producers were like, we don't care. And it just looks like she hurt his nose. <laughs> that's all they, <laughs> so they cut out the other two scenes. And right. With that. But at the same time, I, I was telling somebody about it. They're like, do you ever get mad when stuff like that gets cut? And I was like, well, think about every other actor before me. They were, mm-hmm. they were dealing with the same thing. Their stuff was getting cut too. Right. But why was our performance so you know, strong? Like I get people every day recognize me or, or, or compliment me on it. And it's yeah. blowing my mind right now. And they're like, it felt so real. It felt like you were really terrified. And the reason why is because we had those other two scenes that we got to build our character for a couple of days. We got, you know, we built it all up to this, this point where it was going to explode. And as long as they kept that in the film, you were going, you were going to feel like our characters were much deeper than that one scene, you know, and they wanted that for every actor in this movie. And that's why the cast is so good. These directors, right. Henry and Morell are the best two directors. I'm not talking crap about the other directors, but the best directors I've worked with and they happen to work together at the same time. So you would right. think it would be confusing. You would think that one director would tell you to do something, walk away, and another director would give you a different direction of the same thing, but they're not like that. They yeah. work so so well as a team that one of them is directing one thing and the other one's directing another thing, and they never cross paths you know, in a bad way. They never right. like, step on each other's toes. So it was like, it was awesome. It was like constantly doing a choreographed dance the entire shoot, and, and it was all choreographed by Corey Myers, who was actually the invisible guy. Okay. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the head. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, after we finished our scene, Joseph Gordon-Levitt gave me a huge hug, like uh, like a back, a back cracking yeah. hug. And he was like, God, you guys were awesome. He was like, thank you all so much for giving it your all. It's going to make this movie better. Yeah. And it was just like, you know what? He's, <laughs> you know what? He's been there. He's been where you, yeah. you know, you are or other people like you who are, you're in these movies and you're, uh, you know, I hate to say it, like, but you're getting pushed to the side a little bit. But, dude, if you keep that positive outlook, you're going to make it, man. That, that, is, that is, first of all, great advice to anybody out there listening who's pursuing a oh. career in this. It's a very fucking hard industry to get into, man. It is. And it really is. you're already in there. And, um, yeah, there's going to be a little, you know, it's almost like a paying your dues kind of thing, I guess. Exactly. That's 100%. Um, but, if you, like I said, if you have that kind of outlook, you'll... Uh, you will succeed, man. And yeah. you're, you know, you're, you. you're getting these great fucking. Oh yeah, dude. You know like, I mean? like, like I said, like after years, I'm not getting cut out. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so I'm I mean, very, very excited. <laughs> at some point I can tell like the kind of things you're interested in. So I can tell that these kind of um, projects that you're in, you would watch them if you weren't in them. You know what I mean? Like you'd be Indeed. a fan of these kind of things. So yeah, in a way it's, you're, you know what direction you want to go into and um, you're there, man. And, and the fact that you're going to keep doing uh, your own independent things on on the back burner with, you know, no budget filming and and stuff like that. Fucking awesome, man. That's really, it's hard. That's inspiring to me, man. That really is. That's awesome. Thank you. It's hard. And especially another tip for future actors, Mm. whenever you get to be a SAG actor, you can no longer act in a no-budget film. It's right. a, the number one rule of right. SAG is you must be contracted. You must get paid. They mm-hmm. want you to be okay. They're trying to protect you. So I can produce these things. I can direct them because I'm not in the director's guild or producer's guild, mm-hmm. but I can't act in them. Right. So it's so funny because like I'm making these movies and I'm having fun making them. 
I'm having a lot of fun writing yeah. them with people. I'm having fun filming them, but I can't be in them. <laughs> so it's like such a catch 22, man. Yeah. You just throw on like a little mustache or something and just change your name. <laughs> <laughs> I you was actually... in one. I was in the last one I did called Lost Zombie. And there's a, there's a trailer for it on, uh, on YouTube. You can type in Lost underscore zombie. And it has nothing to do with zombies. It's uh, the main character's screen name. Right. But it's a, such a fun movie, and it was an important movie, too. Like, it might have been no budget, but we were talking about, you know, the uh, events of Amber Alert victims whenever wow. you see an Amber Alert pop up. Yeah. And everyone's at a party, and they just ignore the Amber Alert because you can't jump in a Scooby-Doo van and go looking for these people. <laughs> yeah. Right. But the, these people at a gas station ignore the Amber Alert, and they end up getting caught up in the Amber Alert, you know, uh, right. suspect. Kidnapping. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, and it's, I mean, the it's also exactly. And at the same, there's this back uh, commentary, you know, for like, uh, we keep cutting away to like the story of the main character or one of the main characters. And his backstory is that he was abused sexually as a, you know, as a teen. And right. so like, that's why he's got so much pent up aggression. And that's why you see him as like this character that couldn't possibly save the day in the film. But then at the end of the film, spoiler alert, he does a lot. <laughs> he does a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really crazy it really is and I probably you know like in the future i'm going to talk more about that film whenever i get the chance uh sure. maybe if i'm on like the today show or something because there's there's a lot that went on with the making of that film that put me through so much like i wouldn't say strife but it it, it was like the heaviest lesson i ever had in my heart with making films ever mm -hmm. and it also taught me what the industry goes through Every time you see someone in the industry that messes up or does something bad and, and it's evil, you got to remember that even the most horrible banality of men, or it's still men, it's still humans. It's still, no matter what evil thing they can do, they can only do a certain amount of evil. It's just what humans are capable of. And to combat that, to combat that, you have to be prepared that you're in this you know, production with 300 people, or you know, in our case, like it was 70 people, I think. So you're in a production you know, with multiple people you got to assume that one of these people is going to be a fake person or going to be a bad person or going to try to do something bad if they aren't a decent human being. Right. So if you're prepared for that, then it won't break your heart, but it will happen. And I, and I learned that in a hard way that you know, sometimes you'll bring these people into your life or into your production or into your story and you want to work with nothing but decent human beings. And there's going to be a bad apple somewhere. And yeah. it, it's crazy that the internet and the majority of people in this world see that one bad person in Hollywood, which I don't even like to claim Hollywood. The name is mm -hmm. just set up to bring us down. Right. But one bad person in the, in the entertainment industry, and they're going to blame every single one of us. They're going to blame every entertainer. They're going to say that we're all evil, we're all terrible. And it's funny because at the same time, the whole world is also fighting a message that everyone, everyone who's black is evil or everyone who's a cop right. is evil. So it's, you, you're, you're already standing up for, you know, don't judge one person for the actions of another you're already standing up for that message unless it's hollywood and the reason why is because 99 percent of us really do wish that we could have some kind of form of career in arts and when we see other people who have that and we don't have that we just want them to be torn down we want right. them to bring, be brought down to, down to our level and i hate that i hate that us as a society do Absolutely. that to each other yeah because i think that people need to realize when you're making a film in timbuktu or you're making a film in japan it's not hollywood you're not in Hollywood. You're not associated with Hollywood. You're just making a film. 
But as soon as your film gets seen by people and it gets accepted and it starts winning awards, they slump you in with Hollywood. They think that you're no good and they don't want to support you. Yeah. Yet they buy all your films and they watch all your shows. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, you brought up a lot of good points in there, man. Um, dude, what the hell is going on today? <laughs> My hey, blame, blame all the conspiracies. <laughs> yeah, dude, because you, you, you know what? Yeah, you just said a bunch of, like, really good shit. So they're listening, man. <laughs> oh, they're always, always If I say anything about camping, my phone starts showing me camping gear advertisements. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, I know, man. You know, it, it's gotten really scary, though. It's getting, like, really specific. Like, my wife was looking at some something for her birthday, her 40th birthday is this week. And, uh yeah. We were just, dude, oh, thank you. We were just talking about it and it was on my Facebook page. The, the exact item. No, no, that's exactly what happens, man. Like, they what listen the fuck? to you even when your phone's in your pocket. Yeah. Even when you're not even on it. I know. We I agreed know. to let them do that and we didn't think that they would. <laughs> right. Yeah. All those things that we set, you know, hit accept. Nobody reads that shit. You just go yeah. through it, you hit accept, and you go on with your day. But who knows what yeah, it says in there, man? Literally say, <laughs> you can literally say that in the small paragraph, it could be like, we have the right to listen to you poop. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably exactly what oh, it says. Damn it. I want to touch up a little bit on a couple of things you just said, though. Um, number one about that movie with the, the concept okay. of the Amber Alert. That's a very interesting concept because yeah. there is something about that when a great tragedy happens or or something like that. It's the only time when everyone kind of all comes together on, on one thing, right? Where you choose to go after that is your decision uh, as far as, you know, your motives of what you want to do to either help yeah. the situation or make the situation worse. Um, yeah. But the Amber Alert specifically, or any kind of alert that we all get to our phone at one time, it's the one time in the world where everyone is looking at the same fucking thing, right? Uh, well, at least, yeah, in, at least in the country, you know. Um, yeah, every region, yeah. Yeah, so that's a really, really interesting concept. That's really cool. And I, I'm interested to see what's going to come of that. Cool. Uh, we filmed most of the film. You know, there's, yeah. a few, there's a few scenes we throw in there. Uh, what we do, though, like I said, we do this strictly just, you know, to see what we can do with it. Um, we'll make the trailer. We'll push the trailer out. And if anyone wants to see it, you know, they can get a hold of us and we can show it to them. It's almost like a criterion freaking like selection of indie films that no one gets to see unless they really want to. You know, we okay. don't just put them up. We put a mirror up because we had a couple of actors from the film that were like, you know, they're not used to the industry. They're, you know, they're budding, trying to get their feet wet. So they're like, this is the only thing I have. I want to see it. It's the only thing I have. And I understand that. So I'm like, okay. But we warn people, you know, with the other films we do, we're like, look, these are no budgets. There's no... There's no distribution. There's nothing planned. This isn't a worldwide, you know, phenomenon film. This is just us trying something to see what we could do by ourselves with no money. Right. And when it comes out really, really well, we have this insane, you know, pitch that we can pitch to people. So the film did so well by itself, just with a couple scenes we cut and already had like stuff going out and showing it to people. I edited it together the entire thing, and it was a little bit short so it's good for like short uh, short film festivals mm -hmm. and i gave it to a producer and he was like man this is just a pitch he goes it's great he's like but it, don't think of it as like you know you're stone's way he's like, this is a good pitch he's like you could take this you could take the film the scenes everything you've got you have a sizzle reel he goes these actors are great they're awesome they all fit the roles he's like we could pitch this to people 
and if somebody wanted to make this movie, you've already got the concept right. and the trailer and everything. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So it's funny that this year, all the indie filmmaking I've been doing just paid off. Start meeting these producers that are like, man, you make trailers like the day you get on set. <laughs> like we, yeah. we, we plan on filming things in a way where we can have a teaser trailer, you know, the first week, you know? Right. And uh, it's, it's paying off. We, we have a new production team that we just joined in with. They're out of Atlanta. And the, the main producer of the production team is an Amazon producer, uh, Rendell Bryce. And he is killing it. He's doing great. He, just, he did a film called uh, From Zero to I Love You. And it's a beautiful story. And I think it's really cool to see someone tell a story about their friends like that. Like He was like, look, I love my friend's story. And he's like, and I want people to relate to them. So he made a whole story for them and it ended up, you know, being a hit. So it's like, it's really cool. So he, uh, he actually committed, not commissioned, but he, uh, I wouldn't even say persuaded. We had a discussion one day, we were hanging out and he's like, man, you should write this story. And I'm not gonna tell you guys what it's about yet, but he was like, and I really think it'd be gripping. I think people would love it. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went home, started writing my treatment, came back to him. And whenever I told him the treatment for the next movie we're doing, he told me, he's like, this is insane. He was like, this is, it's making me jump off my seat wow. and, and wonder, you know, what, what's up with the lead actor, like, or the lead character after the film? Like, I want to see another film and I haven't even read the script yet. I only heard the treatment. And I'm like, oh man, this is going to be fun. So yeah. I can't tell you guys much about that, but when it happens, you can bring me back on and we can talk about it. I was just, you, dude, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, once that's ready <laughs> yeah. to go, not only do I need to see that, but we need to talk about it. We'll have another fucking little show here. That'd be great. Absolutely. Um, so now let's talk about Greyhound a little bit. Um, okay. This was a big one, man. Um, yeah. Right right beside legendary Tom Hanks. Um, yeah. First off, awesome movie. Uh, nonstop mm -hmm. action from the beginning to end. Um, God, my fucking cool. walls were like shaking. In that, in my, I guess I got the sound oh, system. That's, Dude. that's how you're supposed to watch it. <laughs> yeah, man. It was, it was amazing. Um, Second, great job, man. Um, I, I'm not going to spoil the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Tom Hanks plays a U.S. Navy commander uh, leading an allied convoy um, being hunted by German submarines. Yep. Uh, so you play a, hel a helmsman on the ship uh, with Tom Hanks. Yep. And so what was I that? Actually, Go ahead. I, I was going I was, I was to say, I actually I played four break. Uh, if you remember, I'm not going to say the scene because it will spoil it but uh, when tom hanks is talking to one of the guys post some of the war scenes and he's asking about people and uh they start mentioning oh forbrook you know this forbrook that yeah that's my character but right. the way the book's written my character didn't have a name he was just lee helmsman and if you're a navy man you're not gonna know who forbrook is but you're gonna know who lee helmsman is so that's why they decided gotcha. to take okay. a lot of us they took all of our names and just named us Lee Helmsman, Helmsman. And I think it, that's another lesson for actors. It's, this is not our film. We're supporting the great right. Tom Hanks. He had an idea. He wants to stay true to the book. So these characters, even though we were given character names and we were supposed to learn our characters inside and out, they didn't prepare us to be, you know, credited as Lee Helmsman. But I'm not the least bit upset about it. And other people have come up to me and they're like, oh man, Lee Helmsman, number one that sucks. They should have given you your name. I'm sorry, man. And I'm like, no, it really doesn't suck, dude. Like, right. it, like for me to know in my heart, I played Forbrick. That's all I need for, you know, crediting purposes. If you know this book, you're not going to know who Forbrick is. 
but you're going to know when you see Lee Helmsman, you're right. going to know, right. oh, that's that guy that blah, 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 blah happens to, because like you've read the book. So it's right. like, I don't know, it's epic. It's such an Well, epic it's movie. funny that I, I messed that up because obviously I saw the movie the other night. I didn't pick up on the name. And when I was writing out the interview, I obviously looked on IMDb and I was like, oh, Helmsman, I didn't even think of that. But now that I think about it and you said it, I'm like, oh shit, that's right. He did say that. Um, to be honest with you, man, one of the fa- one of my favorite parts of the whole movie was when you were whistling. <laughs> that's um, cool. It well, was it was probably like just a moment of comic relief for the movie, but yeah, there's only two in the entire film. There's only two funny parts in the entire film. Right. Um, was that intentional? And whose idea was that, or was that part of the oh, script? That was Tom. That was all Tom Hanks. It was written yeah. in the script. Um, the coolest thing ever, though, I will say, is that uh, I. In the script, Tom had written it for my character to whistle off key. Now, when it came to the day, I did that take where I whistled on key. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that's right. The script says off key. Okay. So I'm like, I can whistle. Like, like I can't whistle. So trying to whistle off key was so. It was more difficult. Yeah, it was difficult. But (laughs) I I ended up doing it. And then it didn't feel right because, like, it sounds so bad. It was like. It's like so bad. And he was like, Tom was able to know what I was going for because my character, I didn't, I didn't have time to talk to everybody, but I talked a little bit to Tom about it. My character, like we got to come up with our own backstory. My character was a 17 year old ensign who didn't want to be drafted into the war, who did not want to be there, but he went, he went to New York from New Orleans trying to be a trumpet player. He wanted to be a well-known trumpet player. When he got to New York, he got drafted in. Now he's in the war. He only got a week of training, and now he's <laughs> going to die. Like, or he, right. you never know if he's going right. to die or not. Like, he, he thinks he's going to die. Like, in my head, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And so, like, it's, it's an epic story about what it was like in 1942 for these young 16, 17-year-old kids to be taken from their parents just because they were the only male figure in the family and how gripping that is, like how terrifying that is for those characters. And we had a goofy scene where Tom wrote it in for me to hump the engine telegraph. So uh, Carl Glussman from Netflix's Love is saying, oh, it sounds like slow screws, sir. And then I hear him say that. So, uh, or I hear the, uh, the talker echo it back. So I yell back, or I look at my, uh, my counterpart, the helmsman, and I whisper to him and I'm like, slow screws. And I start humping the engine <laughs> telegraph. And it's the goofiest, funniest thing we did on that entire three month shoot. Yeah. And Tom was laughing, everyone was laughing, the director was laughing, but it just was too goofy. It didn't right. fit the film. Right, it wouldn't fit, right. You know? right. I even, whenever I was doing the scene, even though it was like, I love Tom's writing, I love his writing. I like even more so that Tom is the kind of person who can go, oh, I know I wrote this, but it could be better. You know, yeah. So whenever whenever we did that scene, he already had it in his mind. As soon as we did the scene, he's like, "Ah, oh, this doesn't work." You know, because and he kind of he kind of gave me that. Jet. He was like, he's like, it might get cut <laughs> as soon as we do it. And I was like, damn. <laughs> but it, but he knew he was like, he wanted it at least to be tried. So I tried, but it was it was difficult to be in the middle of, oh, we're in the middle of the ocean and there are U boats surrounding us. I could you know get blown up at any moment. This mm-hmm. whole ship could get blown up. And be scared and then break that fear with being a you know, perverted teenager and making a joke. It, it was so hard to get into that. And I found right. a way to do it. And I really right. wish it would have made it to the cut because it right. was hard to get into that from that sure. point. But uh, when we did the whistling scene, I was worried that was going to get cut too. Because I was like, look, my character would not whistle off key. 
because he wanted to be a trumpet player. He's musically inclined. He's not going to whistle off key. And I think whistling off key is just him throwing it in the script, you know. So I did it that one take where I did it on key. And I did the other takes where it was off key. But Tom was not there for the one take where I did it on key. So they actually used my audio for me whistling on key and my close-up. And then they took that and put that over Tom and me together. And I was so happy they did because Tom told me after the take, he said, we could probably ADR it. Because he knew, yeah. he, just looking at me, he knew I wanted to whistle on key. Right, right. <laughs> and I wanted that. And I was like so happy that he said yeah. that. I was like, thank you, man. Well, it's cool that he knows that. You know? Yeah, number one, he, um, what was it like working with him? It had to have been, is he as amazing as he seems? Like He's as amazing as he seems, and he's better than the world gives him credit for. Wow. And he's he's one of the coolest people. Um, I'm not I'm not a religious man, but Tom is. He's a God fearing yeah. religious religious man, and he is true to every character that he plays. And yeah. you got to ask yourself, you know, like why is the world coming against good people? Well, I mean, that's your answer right there. The good people, and the majority of the world isn't. So of course they're going to come against good people. But every time you see Tom in a movie, he makes sure to pay tribute, pay homage to the God that he believes in. And right. he, he prays to God in, for, in uh, Forrest Gump. Him and Jenny pray to God. And then in uh, The Green Mile, you know, that whole movie's about spirituality. Like, so it's like when you see somebody who's on the forefront of trying to constantly show people positive imagery mm-hmm. and show people like, you know, hey, look, it doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter what your religion is. We can all, you know, agree that we should live this life out to its fullest and see how far we can get, you know, see how high up we can build society instead of trying to tear it down because we're jealous or heartbroken or pained by, you know, a past love or something. There's, it's weird. Like we talk about banality, like most evil people come from a place of fear and hurt. Like they weren't, they weren't, that mean or cruel or evil right. they didn't want to do something like that at first but someone hurt them and they lost their hope or their ability to believe that things will get better so working with someone me and a couple of the other actors being not religious and working with someone so very religious and straightforward with his you know beliefs and then seeing the, wor- the world attack him for you know conspiracy mm. and and just propaganda it's right i got it's not even just working with Tom Hanks that I want to talk to people about. I want to, I want to talk about him as a person and how he deserves better. He deserves better from, from humans. He deserves, deserves better from the people that call themselves fans of him. Mm -hmm. Like they all want to watch his films, but none of them want to stand up to defend him because they, they feel like they don't know him. He's a celebrity and they just want to believe that every celebrity out there is the worst, you know? And, and sometimes celebrities prove them, you know, right. And that sucks. But Tom's, an exception he's one of the nicest down to earth most cool people and like i said for him to look me in the eyes and to know i wanted my character to whistle on key even though he wrote it himself for me to whistle off key i wanted it on key and then when i saw the movie and i saw that he left it like me whistling on key they didn't give me the close-up for the whistle like i thought they would but then look at the scene though the, right. the entire book was written about the captain, not about his crew. The crew just right. supports him. We just support him as actors. And when you watch that scene, if they would have given me a close-up, you wouldn't have been able to see Tom Hanks' amazing acting while he's slightly annoyed by me whistling, but slightly relieved because it's something that reminds yeah. him of not being at war. Right. And that's such an awesome moment. Like, he doesn't yeah. yell at me. He doesn't, he doesn't tell Forbert to be quiet. He doesn't even – and it's the coolest thing because on set, uh, the XO – 
Tom Brittany from uh, Grantchester. Amazing. What's up, Tom? Tom Brittany yells at me. And one scene, he smacked me in the back of the head. And it was like really awesome. But I never got to see Tom's face because he was facing the opposite direction. So I never got to know what he was doing with his face, with his acting. And when I saw the movie and I saw how he wasn't angry, he wasn't annoyed. He was like, what do you think about this? He was like getting Tom Brittany's like reaction. And Tom Brittany doesn't tell me to be quiet until he looks away. I was like, oh, God, I'm glad they didn't give me the close up. You wouldn't be able to see all three of us, you know, doing right. that together. If they gave me a close up. And, you know, they, it's, there's so many things about filmmaking that I love now because of yeah. this film. Well, I got to be honest with you, man. That scene stuck out to me um, because as small as it was, and I mean, on a large picture of the whole movie, yeah, it's fucking, you know, there's explosions oh, going on every two seconds. Yeah. So yeah. why would this little whistling scene stick out? <laughs> you actually said it yourself, man. You know what? It's those little details that I look for. And yeah, I was looking for you because I was interviewing you in a few days. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, still, cool. like those little things to me, in film especially, they stick out to me and I appreciate those little things for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I'm glad you do, man. But to hear the whole story behind it with Tom and Eric, that's that makes it even cooler. So uh, <laughs> I hope if anybody sees the movie and they see this, they'll know exactly what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Tom's a genius. He threw an Epstein joke in. I mean, come on. Yeah. He's a genius. He's a genius, dude. He's yeah. people, people are hilarious. He, he plays off people's conspiracies. He's not afraid of them. Right. You know, he... Unfortunately, he had to stop letting people comment on his fucking Instagram. And I, right. I, I have to talk about this because I see the other actors. Please in do. Yeah. None of them are none of them are even touching these subjects. And I'm right. like, but I have to because it's not like he's ignoring them. He has to delete all of his comments now. Like, literally, you cannot comment, tag, or, you know, talk about Tom Hanks because he knows these conspiracy nuts are all drug-addicted conspiracy folk who never made their dreams come true. They hate everything to do with anybody else's dreams. Right. And they don't, they're not good people. These, right. these people spread these conspiracies. They're not good people. They want the best for the world. They don't because right. they don't give a, a crap about anybody except for themselves. Yep. And that's why they're harming people with no, no judgment of character, no like biased truth or facts, nothing. It's just all just, no, oh, I heard I this today, and I believe it. You know? There was something I saw um, a few weeks ago on, I think it was Facebook, um, where Lady Gaga is drinking blood. I don't know if you've seen that one. No. Uh, yeah, she's drinking uh, children's blood. And, and it's a fact, <laughs> as far as Facebook goes. Um, oh, wow. Not as far as Facebook goes, but as far as the people on Facebook. The um, fact checker. <laughs> it's a fact, yeah. It's literally a picture from American Horror Story, speaking of which. Uh, where she was the hotel season, I remember that uh, season, with yeah. the little kids, and yeah. you know they have like blood dripping out of their mouth, and yeah. she's drinking. It's literally she's a, a picture. Yeah, she's a fucking vampire. Uh, literally a picture from that, and people are claiming that she and not only her but uh, many other Hollywood elite are drinking uh, children's blood. Uh, I don't even remember. Me, it's fucking me, insane. It is insane. Let's just let's just open up the world to this. You know, your your viewers watching are gonna be more educated yeah, than most people. Yeah. Um, if you watch a show like American Horror Story Hotel, mm -hmm. and you see these amazing actors and you know just in, incredible influences on the world, giving you insight to you know possibility of evil out there. There, I don't know why people get this idea that they're like, oh yeah, look, she's drinking, you know, children's blood, right, and it's a right. TV show. But it, it blows my mind because sometimes people will give you every 
ounce of truth and be like, hey, this has happened since, you know, the 1700s. The people have been eating human beings. It's called cannibalism. There's a word for it. That's why it exists. Yes, there are cannibalistic people out there and they exist. Yes, we are always going to be at war with humans that want to end other humans. If you want to live, you're on this side. If you want, if you want everyone to die, you're on that side. That's, there's only two sides. If you want everyone to agree and be happy and just, you know, full of life, you're on this side. If you think that you want to you know, support a racist agenda just to make people fight and kill each other, you're on this side. There's right. only two sides. And a lot of us walk on the fence most of the time because we're like, look, we just don't want to fight. We don't, we don't, yeah. both of you can just stop your fighting right now and realize no one has to die. We don't have to, you know, go, oh, well, I saw this person do this. They got to die. I saw this person do this. They got to die. It drives me nuts, man. Some of these celebrities really did try to find truth and find a dark truth that people were ignoring and bring it to light. And because of the messages and the, and the, the things that they're bringing to light, now we know about it. And then to repay them, we turn around and blame <laughs> the people who let us know about the truth. Right. That's what gets me. That's what blows my mind. Yeah. It's like when you go to college, you don't go to college for uh, cinematography. I mean, yeah, you might go study cinematography, but the actual degree is communications technology. Yeah. Like that's people don't get. It's communications technology because me and you right here making this episode, mm -hmm. it's going to, someone else is going to learn something from it. We are Absolutely. communicating with people. Even if they're not talking back to us, we are communicating to them right now. So that's what this is. That's what all entertainment is. Yeah. Music, film, news, all communications technology. If you watch one news channel say something, you can't think that every single news channel is on the same fight. Right. None of them are. And, and even though there's two sides to this fight, there are a bunch of different factions that think they're right on each side and they're doing better than the other. So it's like all these little micro fires, micro fights that are going yeah. on. I just can't yeah. get past this, this, this block that most humans have for some reason. They want to believe that somebody else, some other human is going to give them the, the answer to everything. You know, they, they want to believe that so much. Everybody's got this, this conspiracy or theory, but they're like, oh, but I got it from Q or I got it from this celebrity or I got it from this guy or this nobody on the internet. And they believe that one person, but they won't believe the majority of people that have been in the industry for 40 to 50 years, not doing any harm and always bringing positive messages about and always, you know, just donating to cancer benefits or donating their time to build homes in Africa and Haiti, you know, after some kind of natural disaster. Right. And these people are spending like eight months of a year sweating in Africa, building homes and schools. And people think that all celebrities are evil just because one or two people get caught doing something horrible, but humans are out there, evil humans. Like we said, evil humans are out there. And if somebody is out there and they are drinking children's blood, of course, they're going to take a fake picture of Lady Gaga and put it in your face because they're going to really want you to go after her and not them. Right. So let that yeah, No, said. fair enough. I think that the thing that bothers me the most about it is that someone goes online and just claims that as a fact and has nothing, absolutely nothing to back it up. Uh, I usually don't get involved with things, especially like politics and stuff like that online. Uh, but when I see something like that, I just can't, I can't help myself. Like my hands yeah. not working on their own. Uh, yeah. I'm like, all right, listen, first of all, this is a picture from American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, can you please back this up with any kind of facts from a, a reputable source? That's all I asked. I wasn't rude I, or anything like that. Yeah. And someone literally sent me a YouTube video of a documentary of 
the, that topic, uh, people drinking blood oh, from. I'm, I'm ready to talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm and, ready to and talk about I, this. I didn't watch it because my response was, um, YouTube, as great as it is, is not a reputable source for any kind of no, information. No. I can no, make no, a no. fucking video right now um, of me eating this pack of cigarettes <laughs> and saying yeah. that. Um, cigarettes are healthy for you. Yeah, exactly. And I can make a documentary about it and I can document it over the next week and tell you that I've, my penis has gotten bigger from eating the bag of cigarettes. <laughs> and I can present it as cold hard facts. Yeah. yeah they, won't even, they won't even go research. They'll and, start eating. Yeah, dude, it's the, the sheep mentality in this world is mind blowing. It is. It's scary. And yeah. like, why would they go after freedom of speech too? That's what's so stupid. It's like you're going after the people that are brave enough to put these messages out in public so that everyone is educated. And you're going right. after them and you're going to make it harder for us to be able to put messages out. You're going to make it to where there's no entertainment. You're only going to be watching political propaganda. Like it's going to be like Hitler. Like the right. only thing you see on TV is your president. The only thing you see on TV is fucking Pelosi. You don't want that. You right. do not want that shit. She's, she's a very boring person. You don't want to see her on TV every day. Um, I got to take this uh, jacket off because I'm no, sweating. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to Dominique Fishback, lead actress of Project Power. Yeah. This jacket looks familiar, right? Oh, shit. Yeah. I, I was wearing this jacket on set whenever me and Dominique met. So in that first scene that I'm in, you can see she's wearing a red jacket, mm -hmm. but then for the for the rest of the film, she's wearing a jacket like this. She liked my jacket so much, she came up to me and she was like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" She put it on. She was like, "This is such a cool jacket." And she got <laughs> Rendell, which that's you know once again shout out to Rendell Bryce, that producer I was talking about. I met him on Project Power. Right. Uh, she got him and the other wardrobe lady to come up. She goes, "Can you guys find me a jacket like this for my character?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, we'll get on it." And I watched the movie, man, and I'm just like. She's wearing my jacket pretty much That's the so entire cool. film, dude. I'm like, what <laughs> and my grandma gave me that. That was a, like a 30 year old oh, jacket. Oh, that's great, man. Did it, did it come back to you all in one piece? No stains, no nothing? Oh, I mean, no, no. You're working on a movie. They, oh, they literally, they're so good. Wardrobe oh, so seriously? good. Oh, they made yeah, so oh, good. Wow. They took a picture of me. They took a picture of me and her standing <laughs> next to each other. And they're like, that's the jacket you want? We'll find it. Oh, and like, wow. We got a jacket like that. And it became like Project Power's color coordination and everything. Right. It really did. That's um, really to answer cool. your question, though. Those, those conspiracy theorists think that they're mm -hmm. on to something because there's a, an a, a artist that goes by the name of, uh, what is it, what is it? Uh, Abra, Abra, I can't even, I never can pronounce her name. Like everyone, everyone's obsessed with her, Abramovich. Yeah, there we go, okay. Abramovich, right? Yeah, yeah, so she's, heard she's the name. known for throwing Hollywood parties, right? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how this works. You, you kitties listen real quick. Don't believe 99% of the crap you hear on, on the internet, why? If I'm somebody who's never been anybody, right, and I want to be an artist, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be an artist. I have to do something that's going to get me views, you know? Some of these people get so power hungry or so just hungry with fame. Like, they're like, oh, never be, I'll, I'll never be happy with myself if I'm not famous. And they get like that. So they have to do something absurd to get people talking about them. They don't care if you hate them because they realize it's going to make them money. They don't care if you think they're evil or you despise them. If the more you think a person is evil, the more they're going to push out the message, oh, I'm evil, I'm evil, I'm evil, even though off camera, they're a little pussy. They're going right. to push that message because they know you're going to keep watching. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say, look at yeah. MGK. MGK had 666, Satan everywhere, had 666 on a, on a purse he was carrying. Mm -hmm. And people like me, who are just a, a fan of MGK, 
see him carrying around a 666 purse going, okay, you know, teach his own, whatever. I don't even know what to think. But you're like, but then you hear these messages like, oh, these people want to eat children. And then you like, you see him carrying a 666 purse. And you're like, well, if anyone's going to eat children, it's going to be him. And you right. start worrying about it. But then you're in a movie with him and you're like, but this guy's so fucking cool. And right. I actually auditioned for the part in GK Guy. Like, that's how I got okay. my part. Like, um, but it was just, it was so you know it, it was mind opening to see like when the quarantine hit we were all humans we were all locked up we were all abandoned and mgk wrote a story he wrote a song about how he gave up on his savior who was obviously satan he had a 666 purse he was carrying everywhere so obviously it wasn't god right but he said he gave up on that savior and he actually prayed to god because it made him realize he was here at home. No one was talking to him. No one was adding him on all these awards. People were getting there were new musicians coming out and getting awards. And he said he remembered why he started writing music in the first place. It wasn't to push an agenda. It was because he was getting left out. He was getting cut out of all these acceptance things. And like he wanted to be accepted as just being himself. So he became a rapper. And right. it's so cool. And he's turned a whole new leaf. And now he's doing punk rock. I know. I'm fucking, yeah. I'm inspired by this guy. He's an amazing guy, but it goes to show you how human people are. We're all the same. We're all human. Right. We don't know what we're doing. No one's got the answer. Right. No one fucking knows what they're doing. No matter how old they are, we're all just trying to survive. That's it. That's it. Man. So when you see somebody talk about Abramovich and Lady Gaga, or I have friends that are such big conspiracy nuts. We fight about it all the time, mm -hmm. but they still love me. They know I'm a good person. They still love me. Yeah. They don't, they're like, they're like, you're in the middle of the pit of hell. And I'm like, yeah, call it what you want, man. We're all in a fucking battle just to survive. That's for sure, yeah. So, so Abramovich <laughs> does this, this uh, weird ritual artistic thing where she takes like semen, animal guts and blood. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Throws on the wall, says cut into, your, you know, cut into your left hand and all this shit. It freaks people out so much right. that now if you're a celebrity and you ever get a wound or a cut on your hand, if you're a celebrity and you ever yeah. get a cut or a wound on your left hand, beware. People are going to come out trying to fucking like right. lynch you because they think that they just know that Obama is part of Abramovich. <laughs> and it's like, I get it, dude. Like, they're like, oh, well, there's pictures. There's pictures of Will Ferrell at a party of hers. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, somebody was calling me. <laughs> I was talking about the state. See, conspiracy nuts. I was talking <laughs> about the conspiracy nuts. You called me. What? But no, so like Abramovich has these videos. And then she... Like I said, if I'm a nobody person, I just became an artist, and you only know me because I did this really weird thing that everyone's talking about. Right. She's smart. She made that happen. I'm still, yeah, we're all creeped out by her. She's like, you know, like Adam's family member, though. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> we don't really know what to think about her. So right. she, she talks about, like, some artists actually accept her art, and they become, like, you know, uh, students. They start training with her. Well, once again, she does this weird shit. Lady Gaga went through a, I don't know if you guys remember, there was like that time where Lady Gaga wasn't the hot shit that she is now. And she went through this moment where people weren't really talking, or talking about her as much. So she does this thing with Abramovich, right? She does this video where she's completely nude on YouTube and it's kind of like ritually scary, but she wanted you to talk about her. Just like Abramovich. Wanted, right. He keeps calling me, damn it. I'm gonna have to fucking answer it in a second. Be like, dude, I'm on an interview, don't go on. Go ahead. But no, she, keep, she gets held as hate. Now, since that day, Everyone slumps Lady Gaga in with Abramovich. But me being a human that's worked with like a hundred different huge celebrities, I know for a fact these people only meet each other once in their life. And people right. don't get that. Like let's let's think uh uh great uh Green Mile. Uh Sam Rockwell worked with Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. 
they won awards. I think they were nominated for Oscars and stuff. That was like the best movie of the year. That was such a good movie. Yeah. Sam Rockwell hadn't seen Tom Hanks since that film. Like he had not seen Tom Hanks. He maybe seen him in passing, but hadn't worked and talked to him. They did an interview for the uh, Rolling Stone, I think, or uh, the Hollywood Reporter. They did an interview for them where they were sitting at the round table. It was Tom Hanks, uh, everybody. I can name uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, Gary Oldman, uh, everyone, everyone, Willem yeah. Dafoe, everyone was there. It was like my favorite interview. James Franco, who's another mentor of mine, was there too. And it was just like such an amazing interview. Tom goes to talk about James Franco's sexual assault cases and how they, they were debunked. They were debunked. And he's still getting attacked for it. It's still harming yeah. his career, even though they were debunked. And then that was before Tom had, like, not even a case. There was no cases. There's never been a case on Tom. But he's getting attacked. And it just goes to show you every single Hollywood actor is being attacked, even if they weren't with this Abramovich chick. They weren't even, you know, with her. But Abramovich throws parties for celebrities, gets celebrities to come to her parties, and then the celebrities are caught in pictures where they had no fucking clue she was going to reveal that the cake they were eating is shaped like a human. It's a, it's a cake. It's not right. a real human. Like, I mean, people grow up, because if they did it in Halloween, you'd be there, and you'd be like, this is right. so cool. Like, but because <laughs> it's a celebrity, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. You, you're full of shit. You would eat a cake for Halloween that was shaped like a human, because that's, it's a cake. But people freaked out about it. <laughs> oh, my God, they're eating a cake shaped like a human. And even though they passed that, that video of the, the puppies and babies, their cakes being eaten, they passed those all over the internet, like, wow, this is cool. But that cake, because it's Will Ferrell, freaked them out. If you watch that fucking video, if you look at the picture, Will Ferrell's face, it looks like he's shocked. It looks like he's like, fuck. <laughs> like he's, he knows, I don't know this woman. I know she's an, right. an artist, but people are going to get me caught in this awkward position. And right. for the rest of his career, even though he never talks to her, probably never even sees right. her, probably has never talked to that woman since that day. <laughs> people forever are going to be like, well, I got a picture of Will Ferrell eating yeah. a human cake. Yep. And now they're going to attack Will Ferrell. And it's just how the internet is. And when I, I was raised without the internet, so we were raised where like yeah, yeah. the law is still the law. So if there's a celebrity and they do something bad, they get caught for it. Boom. And then you hear the truth. Right. Oh, they're convicted. Oh, they're in jail. Oh, you know, Tupac was murdered. Right. You hear the truth. You don't hear a million conspiracies that you get to just decide which one you're a fan of. And then it like separates us all. It doesn't unite us. It separates right. us. But because some people hate God. Some people love God. Some people hate Satan. Some people love Satan. But one thing that we should all fucking agree on is just like you should not put your religion or your beliefs or anything that you want to be true in front of human life or human you know, longevity. Like we should all work for us to be able to unify the world and for us to be able to realize like it doesn't matter what you look like, sound like, act like, how tall you are, what sex you are, what gender or race you are. Doesn't, none of that shouldn't matter. It should just be, hey – this, all this stuff over here, all this conspiracy, it's entertaining. It's, it's keeping mm -hmm. me you know, awake at night, though. But that's just entertainment. Like, these people, most of them are just, like I said, pussy-terrified humans. And they, they're not going to do anything to you. The big scary thing that you need to be keeping your eye on is the people who don't want you to know their face. The people who don't want you to see who they are. Because they are way above the evil that you think you're pointing out. The, right. the, the banality of humans is always going to be worse than someone seeking attention for doing something risque or artistic. Sure. And I think if we can't decide, you know, if we can't decipher the differences, if we can't choose to which conspiracy or which reality to go after, that's what's wrong with the internet right now. And that's why I'm glad you interviewed me today because I'm 
I'm feeling this. <laughs> you know what, man? This is exactly what I want, man. This is, uh, I got to say, I've had a lot of great interviews so far, man, but this one is, you're fucking right on, man. This is awesome. <laughs> um, not only for, obviously, for you, but for me, like, I feel like I've kind of done my job as far as creating this safe space where people can come talk about whatever they want. There's no bias here. There's no judgment here. Um, and I'm a pop culture guy. I love movies. I love music and all that stuff. And that's pretty much where I, what I talk about. Uh, but yeah. for this to go where it went today was pretty cool, man. I'm really excited about putting this one out there. I'm excited uh, to see it. You're a very, very intelligent guy, man. And I love uh, everything you have to say. It's really cool. That means a lot um, for no, absolutely. Uh, but I agree with you 100%, man. We need some kind of middle ground as far as humanity goes. Um, here's a perfect example to kind of sum it up. There's, you know, I'm sure you've heard of factcheck.org, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go on there, it's very, um, I would say, as far as the media goes, very left-sided as far as the facts. <laughs> uh, and then there's one called fact-check.org. And it's all right-sided views. And it's like, can't we just fucking have one that actually has facts? Yeah, yeah. but you won't. You won't. Um, yeah. yeah, it's crazy, man. So that's kind of where the world's at. And unfortunately, I don't see it coming out of that anytime soon. But... You gotta hope that people like us will open their mind up yeah. to not relying on other humans to give them truth or honesty. Yeah. Don't rely on a single human being. I mean, there are people out there whose parents have tried to drown them as babies. Like you cannot right. trust that humans know what they're doing and you have to believe that like, okay, I feel in my heart that if there are, you know, warriors, knights, good people out there, you know, good people on all sides, you know, yin yeah. and yang, there is a cop out there who wants to end police brutality. You know, there is, there are, you know, drug dealers out there who want to end drug dealing. There, there are people out there who want, even though they're in a dark, a dark spot, they want to be a change. They want. Sure. And if we can just put our belief and energy into those people, because believe it or not, those people that are, that their lives have put them in a dark space or a dark place, their lives may have put them there because we are too scared to be there because they need to be there because no one can fight it from the outside. We don't know. Yeah. So we have to just, we have to just keep hoping for those. And talking on interviews, I've, I haven't talked this deeply into some of the people's conspiracies, but I'm like, I'm getting hurt by it. You know, it, it gets to the point where I can't go anywhere or talk to anybody. Like, I'm glad you didn't really ask much about it, but like yeah. some interviews I do, I have to just walk out of because right. they're just trying to rise out of me. And they want to ask those questions and it gets so aggravating and you start getting so mad at it that you're like, look, I want to talk about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be scared. You know, sure. I don't care who wants to come after me. I don't care what people think of me. If, you know, if I'm willing to stand up for this, other people will, we need to talk about this. Like, like there are people out there that know, oh, we're scaring people and they're not talking about it and we're scaring them and they want you to just keep quiet so that they can go ahead and keep making these new laws you don't know about. And right. I mean, if that's what the big point is and we can all see that together and if we can all unite on that, that should be our focus. Not Absolutely, man. Maria Abramovich. I think that's her name. Maria Abramovich. Yeah. That shouldn't be our focus. Our focus shouldn't be on, you know, that. It should be on, oh, okay, here's something scary, but I don't give a shit to talk about. Uh, why is Bill Gates making a fucking vaccination for fucking <laughs> coronavirus? Right? Yeah. People are like, you, you shouldn't talk about this stuff. 
Bill Gates is a billionaire. You might get blacklisted. You might lose your uh, your credibility, or you might lose your your acting career. And I'm like, fuck my acting career, man. Like I've already acted with some of the biggest actors in the world, and I got people calling me to do lead roles in you know hundred thousand dollar budget films. I'm getting paid. Right. I'm good. I don't. I don't. I don't need to be like the biggest actor in the world if it means I can stand up for something I believe in and die sure. with honor. I would much rather you know leave this world with honor than leave this world going well it was famous yeah dude i i fucking love you man you are awesome <laughs> i love you too dude. <laughs> this is great man this is uh this is you know i'm trying to make like some kind of art here in a way it's weird um and you really get it you got it um this oh, is yeah, dude. hell fucking yeah man. hell fucking yeah thank you yeah um so listen we're gonna start wrapping it up but yeah. i have yeah. to do i have to do my little fun part i, I love this fun part um so I ask you just a couple favorites, and then I'm gonna show. I I stalk your Instagram like a, like an ex girlfriend a little bit. I take a couple pictures, okay, cool. and then we discuss cool, cool. what's going on in those pictures. Um, awesome. So favorite horror film? Oh, I know. It's hard. I know this is on the spot kind of stuff, it's, but yeah. it's actually not. It's not, it's okay. not that hard, man. Okay. Megan is missing. Oh my god! You know what? I haven't seen this movie, but I know I of it. I haven't, and I'm a huge horror fan. Go ahead and explain this movie a little bit because I, um, I'm going to watch it tonight now. You just reminded me of it. Everyone wants to do their own POV uh, mockumentary-style horror films ever mm -hmm. since The Blair Witch Project. Right. Uh, speaking of Henry and Rail, they directed two of my favorite paranormal activity yep. movies. The, the two that were my favorite were them. Yeah. And yeah, they were Dude, so I agree, good. Man. Like, Dude, the, the third Xbox one? Scene, yeah, third one's yes. the, the Xbox scene or the – oh, yeah. Dude. My favorite scene actually is the fan, the oscillating fan. Yes, and the third one. The oh, tension, yeah. the tension of that scene crazy. is amazing. Right at the corner of the kitchen and the living room. Yep, so yep. Like, and I oh, love and the fucking furniture back. on the ceiling part. Uh, great. Oh, those, are, those are my favorites, three and four. Holy I'm shit. I'm telling you. I'm like, how do you even <laughs> do that? But I love that. Uh, but yeah. Megan is Missing takes the cake. It was the only movie that they investigated because they thought it was real. It was like, it was, and it was the director of American Horror Story, Michael Goy. That was his call to arms. He did Megan is Missing, $9,000 to get the movie made. There's even a scene in the movie where you can see the shadow of the camera on the wall when it's not <laughs> supposed to be a big camera rig. It's supposed to be a cell right, phone. Right, right. So it's just like, it, it's so funny to see that movie and know that there are some like, you know, filmmaking inconsistencies from a beginning career. But he went to be the director of four or five, se six seasons of American Horror Story. Right. And he was he was the director of photography and the director of many of the seasons. He's he's amazing. He's amazing at everything yeah. he does. And uh, actually, it's funny you're talking about like the no budget slashers. It I ended up trying to make a movie with Michael Goy. Like he's, wow. he's a dear friend of mine. He mentored me the whole time I was on uh, American Horror Story. And I met him one day before I worked American Horror Story. I met him at a film festival, uh -huh. and he directed Megan is Missing. So I said. I was in the I was in the crowd and he was like, "Yeah, I directed a little, a little a film that got me, you know, popularity. It was called Megan's Missing." And I stood up and gasped. I was like, oh, <laughs> "Couldn't believe it was him." I don't want to give it away for your audience, but you guys gotta watch yeah, this movie. I haven't seen it either, and so yeah. <laughs> don't hate me. It's the scariest movie you'll ever see. It is definitely the scariest movie you'll ever see, I'm and psyched. it'll it'll it'll. It's one of those movies you don't want to watch twice. You watch it once right. and you're like, <laughs> "Okay, it's in my head forever. I'm good." <laughs> like, right, right. But it, I love horror movies and I love the way he did it because it does make me like prepared for whenever I become a father in the future. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a protective dad and stuff. And this movie definitely opens you up to some, you know, some choices that a few of the characters make that wow. ruin this, you know, a couple of people's yeah. lives. 
And uh, I don't want to give away anything else. Megan's no, no. missing. So, yeah, I mean, and to do a small budget movie like that and have such an impact, uh, it doesn't matter if there's a camera shadow on the wall because the content is there. Mm-hmm. And that's why he yeah. landed fucking American Horror Story and things like that. You don't have to have a million dollars to make something if you have a good fucking idea. Yeah, and you can even you know? have a mistake with the camera shadow and still get there. Yep, that's it. Doesn't have to be perfect, you know? You there? Um, favorite rap album? Favorite rap album. All right. Um, <laughs> that one is hard. That one is hard. I know. Yeah, this one throws ones. everyone off. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta be honest, man. I gotta be honest. I'm loving everything off of MGK's uh, Tickets to My yeah. Downfall. Yeah, the um, new they, one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tickets to My Downfall. I love it so much. And I, I think it's funny. This is another thing. He's going through a lot of scrutiny with the album cover for Tickets to My Downfall, mm-hmm. but it's a picture of him. Someone drew a picture of him mm-hmm. for the album cover. But I guess they wanted money from the album cover. Like they drew it, sent it to him. He liked it and picked it. And they, so he had to change his whole album cover. Right. So the release was supposed to be like last week. And now he's dealing with that. And I'm like, God, dude, like celebrities never get a break, man. <laughs> they, they tell you you're going to get a big break. Seriously. No, no right, right. I know. <laughs> um, favorite guitarist? Favorite guitarist, uh, Jay Puget from uh, uh, Fire Inside. Okay. AFI. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. He won an award for the best guitar solo on a punk song for, uh, what was it? Uh, wasn't Girls Not Great. It was uh, Silver and Cold, I think. Okay. One of those. It was one yeah. of the songs. I can't remember right now, but he won an award, best guitar wow. solo on a punk album. And I want to beat that award. <laughs> yeah, there we I go. Beat that award today. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, favorite curse word? <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, Shite. Shite. Good one. <laughs> um, so, listen, you could spend one hour with one person, dead or alive. Who would it be and why? And Chadwick Boseman. Wow. He, he said something that got me through most of my career, Yeah. which was he did an interview and he said his agents, his managers, publicists, they all, you know, they want, they want him to get his face out there. They want him to get his face out there. He's like, but I was getting auditions things i don't want to do and everyone kept telling me oh you know you just got to take every job that comes to you You never know if you're gonna get another one he's like but that's not fair because i don't want to play these stereotypical roles he's like i don't want to get stuck in something that will turn me into something i'm not and i have been getting you know the stereotypical like i said i get the i get the stoner role because i got the i got the asian eyes and they just automatically (laughs) fucking oh he's a stoner so like i get the stoner roles but like i accept those because i know that's like my leg in you know but this is the year you know 2020 has taught me the rest of my career is going gonna, is gonna to be geared at like being able to say no, being able to sure. say, look, that someone else can have a lot of fun doing that. I'm going to let them, you know, enjoy sure. that. That's their dream come true. I've got to go to the next step. I've got to, you know, this lead role I'm doing in Connecticut is going to be my best acting so far. And yeah. I couldn't have gotten that if I said yes to something else. And that's all because of Chadwick Boseman. Right. That's awesome, man. Um, so let's here. I got to do this. We're going to get. We're going to share my screen here. You're going to see my screen. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh-oh. Listen, I, I pick flattering pictures, okay? I don't try to find things that are, are you know, bad. So let's see. We're gonna you said up. that, but I see, I see one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, All right. So we got, we got this one right here. What, what, uh, well, first of all, we have to describe it a little bit because not everyone's going to see the YouTube video. They're they're going to listen to the uh, the podcast. So, 
You guys should watch YouTube videos. He's got a badass background. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's my logo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we got, uh, we got Joseph here on the guitar. Yeah. Um, it looks like, I don't know. It looks like you're in like a, like a warehouse or somewhere. <laughs> it does. Um, I don't know if you guys, what state are you in? I'm in New York, Long Island, New York. You're in New York. Do you have here today, gone tomorrow there? I don't believe so. It's a, it's almost like a, a big, uh, Goodwill thrift store. They sell okay. furniture, everything. They sell everything. And a good old buddy of mine, late Jason, uh, rest in peace, Jason. He was the owner of the store. He took over from someone else and it's just a thrift store. You know, it's yeah. nothing special, but he loved music so much. And he always wanted to own a music venue that he cleared out a whole section of the back of the thrift store put and you can't see the top of it but it's got it's awesome it's got like a old school lamps surrounding the entire roof so it was like the best lighting we ever had in that place and uh we used to play shows there every weekend in baton rouge and uh you know jason made our dreams come true did that's awesome so next up well let me get rid of this one we got uh we got uh <laughs> We got Joseph sitting, standing next to you, Hannibal Burris. Yeah. On a balcony. My dad's favorite comedian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. He's hilarious. Uh, he is. I, I heard him laughing. It's so funny, man. That shot right there. What, what time of day does it look like? It, yeah, it looks like afternoon, like 12 o'clock. Yeah, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Like, like, <laughs> I think it was actually like 2.45 in the morning whenever we started filming. Wow. And uh, yeah. So this was so, daddy's home, right? This so, is daddy's home. Okay. My first audition was on Daddy's Home, and or my first like Hollywood audition, my first you know mainstream audition was right. Daddy's Home, and I, I would have uh, one line, and it was that little kid on the half pipe that goes, "Hey, it's your turn, Mr. Mayron." That kid, <laughs> but they were gonna give it to me, and I was supposed to say like something like, "Hey, you're up, Dusty." Just like one line, and yeah. I didn't get. That. And there's nothing worse in an actor's career than in the beginning of his career whenever he doesn't get a one line audition. <laughs> like it's just so. <laughs> distraught like what right. I didn't say one line right you know so it's like it's distraught but like they called me they liked the audition so they called me in and asked me to do an extra role and I, I almost took it as an insult you know like now in my career I'm not allowed to do extra roles back then I could so I was like you know what I don't care I want to meet Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg and who sure. knows well ever have another Fuck chance yeah. yeah screw it I'm doing it you know I don't, I'm it's you gotta you gotta swallow your pride and realize it's not about your own you know recognition sometimes it's just like you don't want to deny yourself those fun times well I, I was on there and uh the day this day this is the craziest day it's one of the craziest days of my life i'm hanging out with one of my biggest idols uh, tony hawk right tony hawk yeah. is skateboarding this half pipe but he looks nervous and i've never seen tony hawk nervous in my entire life you know so i'm like you're nervous dude he's like yeah the guys that built the half pipe build movie sets they're not regulated to build half pipes they might not know what they're doing mm. he goes they're trying they're, you know everyone's hiring the right people but <laughs> He goes, I don't know. He's so they're, nervous. They're YouTubing it. <laughs> it's like he could tell the future, though, because he drops off the house, does his little you know, half-pipe run, right. and he ends up bailing, and one of the pieces of wood was sticking out, and it, it like, like took his board out from underneath him, and he gashed open his leg. So Tony Hawk's Holy wearing shit. khaki pants. He's dressed up like Will Ferrell because he's stunt doubling for Will yeah. Ferrell. He's wearing khaki pants. Now his whole left leg of his pants is just like blood, oh, like all the way down his leg. I'm, I'm watching the khaki pants turn red, and I'm like, oh, my God, dude. So the EMS shows up. They rip his pants. They put a, a tourniquet around his leg. They start, like, 
working on him, right? They're pulling the, the wood out of his leg while they're bringing him to the, the EMS. We didn't know if he was coming back. We were like, wow, well, Tony Hawk's dead. <laughs> we, <were> like, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't think he was really dead. We were like, yeah, he's dead, meaning like he's not going to come back from the set. The next day, Tony Hawk comes back like nothing had ever happened. And he does the trick and he lands it and it was epic. And I was like, dude, I'm so glad I was here for this. And I thought, you know, oh, I'm going home. That was, that was it. That was the experience. I'm checking out and I was the last extra in line to check out. And Hannibal Buress, he came up there on the half pipe earlier in the day and me and him started talking. And he was like, how do I wreck? I remember you from somewhere. And I almost, I, I started tearing up. I really did. And yeah. I was like, hold on. He goes, what do you, like, I cut off Hannibal Buress after he said that. I said, hold on. I pull out my phone and I start texting. And he gives me this look like, what are you doing? And I went, sorry, man. I, uh, I had to text my dad and let him know that his favorite comedian just recognized me. <laughs> I, was like, I, to, I was like, this is the moment I had to do that. And he started laughing. And I was, he's like, what? He's like, but seriously, where are you from? I was like, well, I'm from here, but uh, I lived in California a little while. I was on a show at the comedy store with Don Barris and Jimmy Kimmel called uh, The Ding Dong Show. But he finished my sentence. He goes, The Ding Dong Show. Don Barris is a crazy motherfucker, dude. He was like, he instantly like, knew the show. He's like, man, that's hilarious, man. He's like, I knew I knew you were the guy with the guitar, right? And I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, what? You're Hannibal Pierce. What the hell? I couldn't believe it, man. So like, he was like, yeah, man, that's cool. So after we talked like that, he told them, go get the kid with the long hair. And I was just about to check out for the day, but I let a woman and her kids go in front of me because they were tired and they had to go. And the guy gets a call for the walkie-talkie, and he's like, yeah, no, no, he's right here. No, I'm about to check him out. Oh, okay, okay. And he takes my paper from me, rips it up, and he goes, you're lucky, man. They still need you. And I was like, what? And I was the only person on set. So I was like, what? He's wow. like, yeah. He's like, go back <laughs> upset. They need you right now. So I go to set, and it's the whole team. It's freaking Sean Anders and, like, the people that have been making great movies with freaking Will Ferrell for years, you know? Yeah. And, and they're like, hey, Joe, what's up? And I'm like, uh, hey, guys. <laughs> Earlier in the day, they let me do, like, a little a bit part, right? I guess they knew uh, we took, we, he, we gave him an audition. He didn't get it. And he still came to do an extra work. Listen, so they gave me like a little bit part. So I got to meet Will Ferrell, meet Walt, Mark Wahlberg and kind of work with them. And they were giving me an action. Like, all right, action, Mark, action, Will, all right, action, Joe. And I was like, oh my God, dude, they're giving me an action with Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. Holy shit. I was like, just blown away, but it, but it didn't work out. It didn't look good. So they cut it. I didn't know they were going to cut it, but that's why they called me back. And right. they were, they're, like, they're like, hey, look, don't send him home. Bring him up here. So I climb up on the, on the set. It's like 2.45 in the morning, and they have such bright lights on us that it looks like daytime. And Hannibal Beerus is sitting there, and he goes, hey, man, what's up? And I'm like, hey, man, what's, you know, this is cool. He goes, yeah. He's like, I thought, you know, we need somebody up here, so I'm not all alone talking to myself. And I thought, yeah, you were up here earlier. And I was like, dude, that's so cool. I was like, you, <laughs> you pulled me into the scene. I wasn't even supposed to be here. I was like, so cool. But then we started doing, like, jokes back and forth. And he's – there's so much they cut out of the movie that he's just like spitting out like one-liners at me and I'm cracking up laughing the whole damn time, dude. And then whenever they call cut, I would like spit one-liners back at him and he would start laughing. And he's like, man, why aren't you doing that whenever they're rolling? I was like, they're not paying me to. And they won't let me talk. It's like, it's a sad thing. You know, they have to pay me an extra 900 bucks tonight if I say one word. So they don't want to do that. You know, they want to save right. money. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they need that money down the line for something, you know, someone gets injured. They have sure. to save their money. So I was, I was prepared for it. But I'll tell you this, any actors watching right now, if they put a boom mic over your head and someone else is talking to you in the scene, go ahead and just spit out one line. It will right. not hurt. It'll right. never hurt. They'll never hate you for it. They can, they can, they're going to do multiple takes anyway. Cut it out. Anyway. And, the, and if you're not supposed to talk, they can just cut your line out. Mm -hmm. But just go ahead and try it once because if you do a really good job, 
then they probably will let you speak and they'll probably pay that 900 bucks. Sure, but I was sure. shy. And at the time I just kept quiet, but I wanted so hard, like so bad to make sure that something we did, you know, stayed to the film. So he looks at me and he's like, he's like, man, you'll get to talk one day. Oh no, you'll get it. You'll, you'll get your, you'll get your break. And I was like, thank you, man. It means a lot to me. So he said something funny. He goes, man, I bet you he died whenever Will Ferrell gets electrocuted. He goes, I bet you he's dead. And when he says, I bet you he's dead. I looked at him and I went, like, I'll take that bet without saying it. I gave that look and I fist bumped him and he fist bumped with me. And it was so funny that the, the director started laughing. And he was like, that's great. Can you guys do it again? So we did it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know that they were going to use it like that because they don't have him saying, I'll take that bet or anything. Right. They're like, oh, I'll bet he's dead. They just have Mark Wahlberg going, what does that mean? And the kid goes, oh, he's dead. And Mark Wahlberg goes, yes. And then it goes to us fist bumping. And it was like the funniest like moment. Yeah. But it's funny because they actually gave my credit. They wanted to credit me, but they didn't know my name. So they gave my credit, fist bump kid on half pipe. <laughs> to somebody else so if you watch the end of the movie oh. my character is credited in that movie yeah. but he's credited uh, as a different actor right that's nuts that actor actually got royalties for it and he actually went off to get a main role in a big tv show so oh, i was man. like well oh. listen your time is coming very soon very very well soon. no it did dude it did after that <laughs> i just i never quit i never quit i was like exactly you know, I'm not gonna give up. yeah that's awesome man See, I, I love this because I'm just taking these little random pictures and look at the stories I'm getting out of it. Yeah, All true. Right, here we go. <laughs> when they say pictures worth a thousand words, man. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, let's check this one out here. What do we got going on here? Oh, Jesus. So we got Joseph here. He is. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. Is this, yeah, is this your homage to uh, Fences? <laughs> That's my. Oh, it should be, right? It should be. But no. Uh, the yeah, tattoos are tattooed up. Yeah. Even though they look a little weird. Yep. They they look very similar to the actual guy that I am paying homage to, which was Oscar Wilde. He okay. goes by the name Oscar Wilde, not the author Oscar right, Wilde, right, right. but the DJ producer, I guess. You guys might know him from Vine, but that's all he did on Vine. He was topless with his tattoos, and he would play <laughs> music he produced, and then he would do these weird hand gestures that looked like he was getting, like, airhead from somebody. <laughs> like, he would do this all the time. And... I just, I, it was so cringy and I just couldn't help but like have to pick, like poke fun at this guy because he was a celebrity. He had like millions and millions of followers and I had like, no one was watching my Vine at the time. So I did this and this is really crazy. You brought this picture up, man. It's like, you brought the best pictures up. I did this and you can't see it, but off camera there's a, uh, there's a microwave. Okay. And so I'm like, beep, 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 beep. And I'm like pressing buttons on the microwave. <laughs> and I'm pretending like the microwave is like my beat that I made. It's like, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> like, it's so funny. But this, you know, bless her heart, rest in peace. Uh, there was a Vine star who actually got an MTV show. Uh, her name was, God, I wish I could remember her name. I feel so bad for not remembering her name. Oh, it was like, it was like a name that could be a guy or a girl's name. But if you guys know her, you know, comment on this and tell him who her who she is. Uh, but she was Stevie, Stevie Ryan. There. Oh, God. Oh, I've heard that name. Yeah, definitely. Stevie Ryan. Yeah. She committed suicide yeah. because she was she was put through so much crap from people who were giving her crap about her content. She saw this vine before anyone knew who she was. She saw this vine and she stole my vine. She did the exact same wow. thing. She wore like a tank top, like cut off, so that yeah. like, you know it was like a bra almost. But like right, she right. had her shoulders and her chest looking like it was tattooed, her neck tattooed, everything, beanie, the gauges, the chain, everything. 
doing the exact same thing on the microwave, beep, 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 same exact wow. vine. And it That's blew awesome. up. Like she got, like, yeah. I think like 20 million likes on it, something like, and it's, it's funny how that you can interact with people without ever knowing that they're going to be part of your life. Sure. Wow, that's really cool, man. Um, let's see what we got next. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So we got four people here in in uh, some. Well, one's Ghostface. Yeah. Uh, then we got like a devil, and I don't know, some kind of zombie, maybe, and then a clown, yeah, killer clown. Um, so one, who's which one is you? I was the killer clown. I mean, I'm holding the camera, so I'm gonna be the one that's closest to the camera. Gotcha. I was the killer, gotcha. I was the killer clown. The the jaw on that thing moves and the face falls off. Like the skin falls off. Yeah. We worked at a haunted porn maze. The uh, ghost face, that is Dana. I believe that's Dana. Or it might have been the devil. It's one of them two. And then uh, <laughs> the other one is uh, uh, Dodie. And the one in the middle that's a zombie, that's my ex. So I'm not going to give her any credit. But, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, right. everyone knows her. Everyone knows her. Um, but yeah, like it's just it's such a fun place. It's called the corn maze of Louisiana and WAFB sponsors this uh, family. They grow corn every year. They give the corn, half of it goes to you know, produce and the other half goes to like feeding hungry people. But the corn maze itself, they cut into a shape of some, you know, various design and they let people go through the maze from, I think from like the end of August or end of September to Halloween. Whenever Halloween comes around, about two weeks before Halloween, a week before Halloween, they turn it to a haunted maze. And they let us, they hire us, they pay us really well, and they let us go in and haunt the place. No one knows that we're actual actors, you know, but they want good actors because they want people to be scared. And it gets so scary sometimes, man. They, they built a trash can that I could fit in that looks like a real trash can. Yeah. So it's funny because, like, every year I get covered in Gatorade and customers get covered in Gatorade. <laughs> Because someone is coming to throw away a Gatorade and I pop open that trash can and they just spill it everywhere and they freak out and scream. We scared someone so bad they ran out of the corn maze to their car, started their car and drove off. <laughs> like, and, they, and then they did a review about it and we didn't even know that they were like a critic for haunted houses. And they were like, this haunted house is the scariest haunted house in the country. They were like, I've never, he, he was like, I've been all over the country. I've never been scared out of the haunted house into my car and was scared the whole way home. <laughs> he was like, I've never been that scared. So that's yeah i've been working there that's since awesome. 2005 and wow. every once in a while when i have a free halloween i'll go sign up and join them again I, I so we're actually gonna be there this year actually oh sweet sweet yeah man i love uh i never you know participated in the scaring you know um but that's i've been <laughs> i know i know i've been to you know some haunted houses over the past couple of years but it's tough for me man because like my wife's terrified of the shit you know Oh yeah. So she, we go in together, and she just kind of like pushes me through it, <laughs> like she holds onto my back and just like I don't get to see anything. She just screams and pushes me. Until oh, yeah. it. <laughs> so I, I don't can't say I have enjoyed one in a while, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a good time. Um, all right, here we go. She's gonna love that later. All right, we got. <laughs> I believe this is uh, American Horror Story set, right? Yeah, it might be the last time I ever flipped the bird. <laughs> we got we got Joseph in the middle and two gentlemen on both sides. Yeah, giving the yeah. finger. Um, yeah. So yeah, was this was American Horror Story? What's going on here? <laughs> All right. So the person that took that picture was uh, 
I don't know if it was Sarah Paulson or oh, wow. if it was Jessica Lang. I can't remember who it was that took that picture. We were at this party. Uh, it was one of the, it was the half rap party. So it wasn't the rap party for the show, but if you saw that season, Kathy Bates was only in it halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. So she had another TV show disjointed that she was working on. And uh, I don't know if she needed to go for that reason, but they cut her out halfway through the season and she had her own rap party. So we had a rap party just for her that night. And it was a pretty fun party, but it was also at this uh, clothing optional club. <laughs> so, so what you don't wow. see are like the, the five naked people in the pool on the other side of the camera. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, so like people were just like, they're just hanging out, having like a really good time. And then we go outside and I was like, whoa, there's some random naked people out here. And they're like, oh yeah, this is a clothing, clothing optional you know, uh, resort. So that's going to happen. And I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever, we're all naked, you know, so underneath, so whatever, I'm not opposed to it or whatever, but you know, uh, whoever it was that took this picture came up and they were like, pose for the picture. And for some reason, I don't know why, but all three of us flipped the bird and we didn't know (laughs) we we weren't looking at each other knowing we did it. And they took the picture really quick and it's pictures of a bunch of people, but this one got out and it ended up like popping up in places. And the person on the left or the right of me, but to the left of the screen, that mm-hmm. is Brian Blassingame. He played the the uh, he played Satan. He played the devil in uh, another Michael Boyd production, Salem. So if you saw that, uh, I think it was season two. He played that demon, that really crazy, cool looking demon. Oh, yeah. that was him. Wow. So the guy on the the guy yeah. on the right side of the, the picture, that's Drew Vin, uh, Drew Rinverick. Mm-hmm. Drew is uh, he played Toulouse in Freak Show, the French speaking little yeah. person yeah he was the guy that made out with sarah paulson in that in the, uh, that episode and he is now one of my best friends he's a really good friend of mine wow. uh, we, we went through a lot together we've traveled the country together and he's just he's a really crazy awesome cool down-to-earth person and he's taught me so much about life but i'm, I'm serious i think that's the last time i flipped the bird <laughs> <laughs> well you can do it right now if you want Right there, you go. <laughs> now, this is the last time. <laughs> First time I flipped the bird in five years. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, there we go. All right, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we got, we got Joseph in the middle as a, a juggalo, yeah, with and, ICP. and uh, yeah, uh, with ICP the themselves, yeah, yep, Violet J, freaking Shaggy, too dope. So I'm assuming this is from the movie Family? Yeah, that is absolutely from it. And uh, yeah, so what's going on? And how was, you know, this, this is a moment right here. <laughs> that is definitely a moment. Yeah. So the, the craziest part about that film was um, I'm playing a comedic relief character. I have to be goofy and happy in many of my scenes. And my grandfather died like the day before this picture was taken. And uh, I, I, I got so many stories I can tell you about that later on, like if I come back, about how I got my dog and stuff. Um, but with this, it was like, we were all dressed up in Juggalo face paint. And it was like the first time that the main cast got to meet each other. So like Taylor Schilling, me, Fabrizio, uh, I mean, ICP's always, you know, donned in Juggalo face paint. But uh <laughs> We, we all met in Juggalo face paint. So we like never met each other until we're all painted up like Juggalos. And it's just like so funny because here comes ICP. They get out of their, their Escalade and they're already in Juggalo face paint when they get there. But we've been sitting in makeup doing this. 
Right. And so I ran out, I ran out the trailer and I went up to them and I, I got to meet them outside and they were so cool. And they taught me how to do the, whoop, you know, like they taught me how to do that. <laughs> I would have never known how to do this. Yeah. And I never knew that it was a big deal. Cause like my friends who weren't educated, but wanted to be ICP, you know, enthusiasts, yeah. they didn't know that there was a certain uh, uh, vernacular to the whoop. whoop. <laughs> they didn't know there was a cadence. So they were like, whoop, whoop, you know, like that's all it was. But ICP themselves told me, no, nah, man, there's a certain, it's the way, finally Jay said, he's like, there's a certain way you gotta say it. You gotta, you gotta give the first whoop, you just throw it out to your brothers and sisters, you know, whoop, just throw it out. And then the second one, that's the call to the wild. That's the ones that aren't around, you're trying to reach out to. So the whoop, whoop, he's like, he's like, the second one's gotta, he's gotta carry on. And so he tells me this. And then this day happens. We, it was like my uh, first speaking scene, which is actually the last speaking scene in the movie. Um, and they were behind the, the scenes watching. And, you know, it was just like so many of my favorite actors behind the cameras watching this night. And I'm like blown away by this. And it was, it was like we're, we're on display. And it was really like, ugh, you know, better not screw this up. And it went so well. And the, the whole night just went so well that ICP wanted to meet us all. They wanted to like actually meet us again. Like, you know, not just for a second. And they gave us like, all these signed autographed t-shirts and, and CDs and books and comics and movies. We just had like all this like signed ICP gear to go home with. And I'm in ICP paint with the rest of the lead cast. Fabrizio is now the lead male actor of, or lead male supporting actor of uh, Mr. Iglesias on Netflix with Gabriel Iglesias. Wow. And uh, Bryn, Bryn Vale, the lead actress of Family has an awesome movie coming out. I can't wait to see it. And it's just like, you know, right then we're all like budding. We're all like kind of, wow, we're here with ICP. This is crazy. And they, they told us everything. So they took this picture. They took pictures separately with us and took a whole cast picture with us. But while we're taking this picture right here, ICP was actually telling me about the Disney story, how they start their, their uh, entire music career. And Violent J looks at me right after this picture and he says, you know, man, it's just how you're supposed to bring uh, – <laughs> He said, how are you supposed to bring controversy back to the forefront? Make, you know, make controversial messages when everyone's so damn PC and, and scared, to, scared to even talk about controversy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're right, man. You're right. <laughs> and then, like, right after this film, they went to do that uh, Washington uh, protest where everyone kept oh, wow. calling ICP uh, gang members. If you were wearing ICP face paint, you were getting put in jail because they right. were calling you a gang member in some cities and it's scary man and the fact they were doing that to them just because they're fans of something is a little yeah. lunatic yeah no that's crazy man dude first of all you nailed those uh <laughs> impersonations of them uh <laughs> i've never spoken to them but i know they speak like that and you fucking oh, yeah, that that's, awesome. that's funny, dude. um so all right we got one more here um like my daughter's school wants me to pay for a digital talk <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, so here we go, man. We got you in the background here and Tom Hanks in the forefront with a Pikachu hat. With a Pikachu hat, right? <laughs> um, like, I can't, I can't explain like, how life kind of uh, writes itself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So me and my friend, we, before this, we developed a, a company called Pokebus, which we went across country, picked up Smosh Games, and we have a video with Smosh Games where we're driving around in our Pokebus. 
And it was at a time where one of my friends was a police officer. He was a details officer at my job in Louisiana, and he was killed. His name was Montreal. He was killed, and Barack Obama was talking about Montreal on TV. And he would have never known. But it was because all the violence, you know, cops versus blacks and blacks versus cops, it was back and forth. And it was so, it was so bad at the time that, like, I, you know, I was so sad to lose my friend. And none of us could drive around playing Pokemon Go when it first came out because people were getting pulled over left and right. Cops were like, why are you out? Why are you out? What are you doing? Why did you take two U-turns? You know, they were so curious as to why anyone was driving. So me and my friend developed this company. We said, look, we're going to, we're going to buy a bus and we're going to pick people up who get on our app and want us to pick them up. You know, we're going to pick them up and we're going to bring them and their families around so they can play Pokemon go safely. They want to stop at this wow. you know, grocery store. They want to stop at this gas station and stop at this place. We will stop. We'll make sure they go out safely, you know, and at the same time, we have a TV playing Pokemon stuff. And we just, we really wanted to do this for fans of Pokemon. And we got, we we got uh, threatened to be sued by Niantic because they made Pokemon Go. And they were like, no, you can't use the word Poka in Pokebus. And I was like, you're wrong because Poke is Japanese for pocket. And it's the word (laughs) pocket and you can't copyright pocket. So kiss my ass. And I told (laughs) told Pokemon Basically told Pokemon Go, told Niantic to kiss my ass. They're not, they're not going to sue us. And they dropped the lawsuit, and they wow. never won. But we have the best memories of going across country with, you know, Pokebus. And as soon as, you know, as soon as all this, this happened with Tom Hanks and I got booked for this role, they put us in boot camp to train for the characters so that we could, you know, see what it was like going through boot camp, sure. you know, for the Navy. And we trained with Dale Dye. They have a rule in boot camps i don't know if it's all over the place or just this one boot camp in louisiana but our xos both the xos we had they always did this thing in boot camp if you show up late if you weren't on time if you you know if you didn't clean your gun right if you didn't do all this stuff if you didn't do something right and you fucked up they would put a hat on your head like an embarrassing hat (laughs) and make you wear the hat right they, so they made us wear the hat wear the pikachu hat they just pulled it out of their bag they had a pikachu hat they're like we figured this is the most embarrassing hat and like one day like i i, I did something I, I slipped up and didn't do my job right on the boat and so they made me wear the hat and i'm like you think this is embarrassing this is a fucking honor <laughs> it was like i'm honored <laughs> and so like they were laughing about it and then another guy jesse he comes in he was the last you know actor to come into the boot camp so they put the hat on his head and he wore the hat but then he actually he accidentally took the hat home because he'd been wearing it and stuff like i guess he took it home or he had it or something but he got he had the idea he's like hey we've all been training in boot camp and we're going to meet Tom Hanks tomorrow. He's like, so technically Tom Hanks is the last fucking dude to be part of our crew. So right. we're, we're all family now. We're all crew of us and the lead cast, Rob Morgan, all of us, we've all been talking on this boat for you know days. Tom Hanks shows up. He's like, first thing out of Tom Hanks' mouth is, what's up, fuckers? You guys ready to make a, a badass movie? And we're like, yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then Jesse pulls out the hat and he goes, we got one, uh, one problem, sir. He's like, yeah, what's that? He's like, you're the last one to show up. It's like past the Pikachu hat. <laughs> and, and Tom Hanks goes, ah, oh, damn it. He's like, all right. You put it on. He's like, I guess that's my bad. And like, we took this group picture together with him wearing the fucking Pikachu hat. And when I sent that to my friend that made the Pokebus company with me, yeah, he's, he was like, dude, this is like the highlight of our life. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. That's like, huge, man. That's fucking awesome. Holy shit. Because you know, you know, Niantic and Pokemon saw this picture. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know it. And I, I hope they see this podcast, too. 
That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna come back to the regular screen here. Here we go. And we're still recording, good. All right, listen, man. Um, this was epic. This was, we're, we're going on two hours here. Oh, damn. Uh, usually, no, this is great. Usually I do about 45 minutes. Sometimes, like, I think the longest one I've done was Christopher. It was like an hour. Oh, well, um, cool. This is like the uh, deluxe edition director's cut, you know? And honestly, I'm barely going to cut anything out of this. Um, I'm just going to cut out the technical issues we had. Yeah. Uh, so everything's staying. Uh, everything was gold, man. This was a really good time. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed having you on. And um, I love being here, man. Thank you. I hope you uh, you consider coming back. Absolutely. Uh, from a from on a scale from one to hell, fucking yeah. How much did you enjoy being here today? <laughs> oh, fucking hell, fucking yeah. Awesome, awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs>